Nathan, worried or excited? I'm excited. Me too. Daniel, are you worried or excited? I'm worried. Welcome, everyone, to Trailer Park Podcast. I am Nathan. He is Daniel. We are cousins. Tonight's show could possibly blow your mind. You have to be worried or you have to be excited. You have to choose a side. Are you sitting down? I'm sitting down. My lesbian radar is very strong. I take back everything I said earlier about puzzle pieces and vision. You can go fuck yourself. Wish you could hear the sound of my jaw dropping. You, are you listening? Are you fair enough as a person that we should have even ground? Right, sake. <sighs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Trailer Park Podcast. Trailer Park number 68. A very special, if not the most special, episode of Trailer Park Podcast that we've ever done. Daniel, Nathan, why how are you doing? I'm... I'm excellent. Why would you call it the most special? What is the most special about it? Well, not only Nathan is tonight, Trailer Park number 68, an all-horror lineup, spooktacular. Uh, It's also special for another reason. That reason, of course, being that tonight I will be taking over all hosting responsibilities for Trailer Park Podcast. Not only that, but that tonight we will have two interns as Nathan returns to his role as Krill in an intern versus intern. Intern versus intern. competition to the death. <laughs> um, this was not discussed prior to this episode. That's what makes it so special. Plus, the whole Krill thing was like this inside joke that the intern had that he thought was funny that wasn't really funny. That nobody understood. Not no. one person. No. no, you didn't explain it. That was the problem. It's a penguin bait grill. <laughs> Penguins won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, yeah, there was, was a deep hockey uh, riff in there that yeah. went way over everyone's heads. Yeah, it was Canadian. It was like you might as well be speaking Russian, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll discuss whether or not Nathan will be will be returning to his intern role tonight. But on top of Nathan, we also have Amanda. Hello, Chelsea. Heyo, and of course, always returning, always there. In his safe, safe box, the intern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really good. God damn. That was like perfect. I know. I had to make sure I wasn't playing that myself. Uh, Nathan, uh, are you are you calling me Nathan or are you calling me Krill? If you call me Krill, then you lose some of my support as a co-host. I want to be want you to be careful moving forward here. Uh, Nathan. <laughs> Yes, cousin? Yeah, I have some facts about the number 68. That's how we do this, right? We slip right into some some number facts, some numerology? Uh, yes, we we discuss the, the meaning of 68, sure, and, and things that are associated with 68. What do you got? Do you have an EM for us? Uh, yes, I think the most interesting thing about the number 68 is that Jupiter has 68 known moons. <sighs> That, of course, coming in as the highlight of our facts tonight. Um, otherwise, it is the atomic number of erbium. Erbium. Mm, one's favorite, bium. And then, of course, uh, 68 is a harmonious expression of personal freedom. I think Nathan uh, knew that already. <laughs> yes. I, I would actually highlight 68 um, because it may also be used as slang for oral sex, which I had never heard before. 
Yes, this is an interesting little fact about 68 is that I had already created a sexual position for the number 68 and then found out that there was an existing urban dictionary definition for a sexual position for the number 68. An actual position? Yes, we'll we'll get both. Do you want the existing definition or my definition first? Let's vote for which one's real and which one's not. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, why five? Boom. Which one's real and which one? They're both real. No, I want to <laughs> guess which one you made up. Right. I think it might be really obvious. <laughs> Does it involve any Indian positions? <laughs> What's that? Cross-legged. Yeah. Wow. Okay, a 68. A 68 is when you attempt a 69, but with the guy on top, he unknowingly chokes to death the woman <laughs> And then lays down next to her and considers how long is too long before calling the police. I'm going to say that's not in the Urban Dictionary. I'm going to say that's the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> wow, wow. Let me hear round two. Split already. I want to see the second one. Here's the second one. Uh, the second one is when you engage in 69 with someone, screw them over by ejaculating first, and then don't reciprocate. Don't reciprocate. So you essentially give them a 68. It's like and a you failed 69. Yes, it's a selfish 69 where you owe them one. That's the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> that's right that's how every 69 I've been involved in has happened. <laughs> so you've just only been 68ing. I thought it was a 69 no matter what. Guys, I want to um, confess something. Have you? I've never done a 69. No, and you've only made it to 67 from the sounds of it. Yep. <laughs> Cross-legged, someone <laughs> bent over at the half. No, he was bent over at the half. I still don't understand his description of that sexual position. And I've listened to it more than any of you. They're, com- they're complicated. Man. These are advanced no. sexual positions. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is Karma Sutra squared. Oh, now, This is like the supplemental like appendix, <laughs> appendix that they attach to the Karma Sutra. No. Wow. No. no, this is the underground back alley like secret organization for sexual positions that only the elite of the elite know about and uh, engage in. Exactly. Yeah, these are shadow government sexual positions. <laughs> so, when when is the uh, screenplay going to show up on the blacklist? Ooh. And it's just called 68 and like Let's b- write blood it, guys. Letters. Girls, we're going to need your input. About what? I blacked out. Failing <laughs> failing at sex. Colon <laughs> The intern. The in- <laughs> the intern. Sixty-eight success. The story of the intern. <laughs> or the intern's story. Uh, let's talk some um, important films that came out in nineteen sixty-eight. Specifically, horror films that came out in nineteen sixty-eight. We're just starting to get into the contemporary era of horror films during this time period. A couple of big ones this year. Ooh, um, ooh, I know. I know. Uh, name one. Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. I know one. There's one other big one. What is it? The Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> I got one. I got one. A 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, wait. I got one. Night of the Living Dead. Thank Nathan. you, Nathan. This is why we didn't throw you into the intern role this round. <laughs> I support you. you. What? Something that was horror. Hang em High wasn't horror? <laughs> Thomas Night Crown Living of- Dead. Hmm. Rosemary's Baby. Two big 1968 movies. Uh, we won't be discussing the Academy Awards tonight because the Academy Awards like to ignore horror. So tonight, horror will also be ignoring the Academy. Oh. <laughs> well, that's good because Nicolas Cage won Best Actor this year, so we can just skip over. <laughs> yeah, and ironically, 
even though I mentioned that because the 68th uh, Academy Awards is 1996. Um, despite that, Rosemary's Baby actually did receive an Academy Award oh. for Best Supporting Actor and was nominated for Best Director. But that didn't happen in 1997. It happened in 1968. Whenever Academy Awards those were, I don't know, the third. <laughs> I don't that's, uh, know. No, no. The third. <laughs> Not even close. 28, 1928. That's when things started. That's okay. Episode 69, we'll touch on all of it. That's fine. Can we give a little shout out, though, to the Planet of the Apes? The Planet of the Apes <laughs> happened in 68. Great movie. That's like a horror yeah, unto itself. It's a little bit. Yeah, a little sci fi, a little horror, a little, little mix. It's got but a fancy talk- twist on it. Talking monkeys isn't like horrifying? No. No, not inherently. Well, it's you in Amy, pretty. Amy, pretty. It's horrifying. Even Daniel just <laughs> saying that is horrifying. <laughs> so you're saying that there's been no love ever given to horror movies in the Academy Awards ever? Well, I just mentioned that they gave Rosemary's Baby an Academy Award. Okay, so what you're was it for supporting actress. But you, but you said it was renowned, right? So one or two, sure. But, but in general, horror just gets ignored. Right. At the very most, it might get one of those uh, who gives a shit like sound makeup awards. Otherwise, could could we say that that's primarily because horror movies are less valuable than other movies? Or is it because of uh, some greater issue that's going on? I think horror movies to the Academy get lumped in with comedies and sci fi's and that they're part of the cinematic world but their relevance is inconsequential compared to drama. Okay. 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 Yeah. And you know what tonight is? Tonight's about horror. That's what tonight is about. Episode 68 is all about horror. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a, a, a fuddy duddy here, cousin. I'm going to, I'm going to align with you and I'm going to say, yeah, fuck you Academy Awards. Let's push through. Let's push through to the sad sack presents tube news. <laughs> taker once tried to test me i ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice chianti Ooh, ooh! i know who it is mm-hmm. who is it hannibal hannibal lecter my the story tonight brought to us by sad sack is granable lecter as in granny <gasps> as in russia just recently within the past week a 68, trailer park number 68, a 68-year-old Russian woman Cannibal? was arrested for killing and eating 14 people. <laughs> yes. Thank God. Oh. Yeah. It, when... be- it began with her husband in 2005. Obviously. She ate his better parts and then cut off his limbs and remainder and put them into garbage bags and slowly slipped them out into the, into the dumpster. And over the next 10 or 12 years, she would come to kill uh, her best friend, her landlord, and 11 others. Wow. And it was eventually her best friend that she was arrested on because CCTV caught her bringing lots of suspicious garbage bags out to her dumpster uh, just this last year. So wait, she ate his his peen first? I don't know if she ate his peen first. I think she, she, we could probably... Rest assured that she definitely ate his peen. That sounds right? like a definite. Can we? That sounds like a. It? That sounds like a sixty-eight to me. Right. Right. <laughs> if she didn't eat it, right. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You. Uh, you that- get the. You get the female to climax, and she eats your peen. Sixty-eight. Yeah. 
I'm surprised she has the arm strength to carry out that task. Well, to to butcher a body, a body is intense. Yeah, you just need a samurai it, it sword. It does take a lot of strength. Cut right. Yeah, no. I've seen whatever that fucking HBO series was. Yeah, the Jinx. Yes, the she's Jinx. Just a hardcore Russian woman who gets added to the very, very small list of female serial killers. That's horrible. And she's an elderly woman. Uh, Boom. Helga's passive pain has so much more meaning now. Mm. Mm. What was her name? Helga, obviously. Oh, I d- didn't get her name. They just call her. Gra- they call her Granable Lecter. <laughs> That is actually very horrifying, and that is an excellent tube news. Cousin, I'm impressed. I was saying to the intern earlier tonight that I had a lot of anxiety going into episode 63 when he won his little ragtag bet, and um, I felt a lot of of, uh, cautious, um, you know, worry over him hosting an episode, but you, sir, are an excellent host. Hmm. I Um, respect the format, Nathan, and tonight I will be bringing it. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to suck up so that he won't call you Krill. I'll be the judge at the end of the episode if you've succeeded. <laughs> right. I'll take on that responsibility, that burden. I only I only heard your beautiful voice there, Chelsea. I didn't hear anything else other than your voice. Just so you know, Daniel, if you fail, I'll take full responsibility. Did you just hear something? Thank you. I was going to throw you under the bus anyway, so <laughs> that works out great. Mm. Nathan? Yes, sir. I feel like I... A really important question. Oh. <clears throat> Nathan, there are some really important questions that Daniel needs to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most uncomfortable thing that's ever happened. <laughs> but you crushed it. Yes. I'm blushing right now. I can't. <laughs> I really thought he was going to play the audio, but then he didn't. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought I asked you. <laughs> yeah, earlier. you gotta you talk over it or do it on your own. Nathan <laughs> needs to leave for a sixty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> you just had the cadence Woof. up and down so well. I really do because I love that clip so much. Nathan oh. needs to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to have a cold shower after this is over. <laughs> down, boy, down. <laughs> Hey, Nathan, these questions are directed at you, but by all means, feel free to uh, bring in assistance uh, via the ladies or the intern. So the ladies. Yeah, so I assume most of the answers will come from you and Chelsea tonight. (laughs) Well, the intern's fucking useless most of the time. Can you name the top 10 contemporary horror icons and their franchises? Just start naming them out. I'll tell you when you nail it and when you don't. Top 10 horror icons. We're talking about... Contemporary. Char- so like 80s. Characters or people? Characters. Jason Voorhees. Got one. What was Jason's franchise? Friday, Friday the, the 13th. 13th. All right. Okay. Now, does that count as two or just one? There's just one. Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street. Michael Got Myers, it. Halloween. Got it. Hannibal Lecter. Ooh, that was a contentious one. That's on there, though. Silence of the Lambs. Does that mean that Aliens is on there? Mm, no, it is not. But in space, no one can hear you scream. Mm, I know. <laughs> Chucky, Child's Play. Uh, Ooh, got it. Christian. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw. Got it. We're at six. We're what about the Scream dude? Wes Craven Ooh. did. Uh, scream Freddy. is on there. Uh, What's his name? Something face. Ghostface. Ghostface. Loomis. 
no, not Billy Loomis. You know, he the, the character, the iconic horror character, has a name. Ghostface. Separate from me. Oh, Ghostface. Uh, Thank Ghostface. you, intern. Yeah. Ghostface. Great. Pin, got it. Pinhead Hellraiser. Ooh, oh, got yeah. it. You didn't Just put, a couple more here. You what about Pumpkinhead? You, you didn't put Pumpkinhead on yes. there, did you? You put pumpkin on there? That's I did. some bullshit. It wasn't in the top 10 officially, but yeah, I put it on there just in case. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Saw? Oh, yeah. Saw franchise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jig- Jigsaw. Saw. Jigsaw. 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 Did we get him? Yes, we did. That's okay. all 10. Boom. And I had wow. a, just in case anyone mentioned the Leprechaun from Leprechaun, I also had that on there just in case. Uh, but no, you guys got, you guys got it in all 10. That was, that was very nice. Very well done. So you're saying that Pumpkinhead was an alternate, like Leprechaun and Paul Pumpkinhead could be interchangeable? Yes. <laughs> okay. So there's actually 11. Yeah, there's actually 12. Yeah. What's the 12th? Because uh, it was Hannibal Lecter was sort of a oh, on and off because that franchise goes back and forth between whether it's horror, whether it's like thriller mystery. It was on the list, the uh, horror genre list. <clears> hmm. <throat> Yes. Also, yeah, he doesn't have. They don't. They never gave year. his franchise an official name. They call it the Hannibal series, but that includes everything from like the books to Manhunt, where Brian Cox is Hannibal Lecter. You oh, know, Manhunt so there's no the official name. Dragon. It's not clean like the other ones. I feel there's movies out there where there are suspense thrillers, and then there's moments where they just kind of eclipse the genre of horror. You know, like Silence of the Lambs is kind of a suspense thriller until. While Bill starts, you know, sewing with skin, <laughs> and then right, then I mean, even horror. then, I would call Signs of the Lambs like a suspense thriller or sort of like a, I don't know, southern noir crime movie. E- either way, but I was watching a clip from Hannibal, the movie Hannibal. I think I would put the movie Hannibal into the horror genre because mm. that scene where he peels off Ray Liotta's oh, his skull cap. Skull cap? Oh, he's oh, frying! Yeah. He's frying the brain in front of him. I love it that. Makes scene. him eat it. Oh, yeah. it really Yoda's like so innocent. Like, oh, that smells delicious. What is that? And he's like, here you go. He just feeds him a real offhand. Oh, thank you. And then Julian Moore is like, <laughs> and all you have is your hatred from Ray Lolita from Goodfellas, and you're like, yeah, eat your brain, fucker. And you also have your <laughs> hatred of Jodie Foster for not re-upping. Yeah, she should have. Fucking yeah, bitch, didn't she? It was shame. Yeah. That's my favorite series, by the way. She was she movies. was too busy grabbing pussy. <laughs> Am I right? Having her pussy grabbed. No, she's a lesbian. She was grabbing. No, if she was um, lucky. I mean, yeah, Jodie Foster. Yeah, she's, she's grabbing pussies and and getting pussy grabbed. She's part of the Women for Trump campaign. She doesn't even know the meaning of sixty eight. No, <laughs> she but she child. knows the meaning of scissoring. I. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> wow. All right, we just we just did some some damage. We gotta do some damage control. Let's move forward. All right. Now, there are lots of horror franchises, lots of horror icons, and lots of actors that intermittently play those horror icons. But in rare cases, one actor plays one character throughout the entire length of the original run of the franchise. There are a handful. I'm thinking of two right now. England. Robert England, Freddy Krueger. He plays it beginning to end. Amanda, I'm looking to you for the second one. Bruce Campbell. Oh, no. oh, oh yeah <laughs> nailed it yeah. <laughs> warwick davis that was good that was good that's not the one i was looking for though nathan you actually brought in the bonus round <laughs> what's that bonus round answer say that again for me warwick davis leprechaun thank you you're talking about the voice from chucky yes you don't know his name though no but know. i can see his face he's, he's real gross you can see his face he <laughs> also shows up in lord of the rings he always plays 
some sort of slimy, gross dude. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Freddy Krueger the same? Uh, can I can I do another bonus one? Sure. Uh, William Shatner's face, Halloween. Okay. <laughs> that's that's reasonable. Does no one remember the actor who plays Chucky for all of the Chucky movies? I've, I've never seen a Chucky movie. <gasps> who who at the most recent sixth installment in the Chucky franchise, uh, which is also called Child's Play. I think everyone forgets it's called Child's Play and just calls it Chucky all the time. In the most recent Child's Play movie, Curse of Chucky, his daughter is the main character. So now it is a family franchise. And that just makes you so excited, doesn't it? It is Brad Dourif. Oh, yeah. it's Dourif. Oh, Brad Dourif. Oh, yeah. Worm. That worm, guy. Worm tongue. Exactly. Worm, yeah. Yes. Brad Dourif plays Chucky for all of the movies. He's happy to return to play Chucky every single time because he's, by his own admission, uh, his voice for Chucky is just a mixture of Jack Nicholson and Christian Slater if they were serial killers. 100% accurate. Also, you can't get mad that people call it Chucky because halfway through the franchise, they started calling the movies Chucky. They dropped Child's Play at four. You know this. I do know this, yep. And then, of course, in Curse of Chucky, the sixth movie in in the franchise... Fiona Dourif comes in to play the main character. And how sweet to play a movie where your dad is playing the voice of a doll that is rampantly trying to murder you. I mean, it's beautiful. It's fucking creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I know what y'all are thinking. Doesn't Doug Bradley play Pinhead in all of the Hellraiser movies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why didn't you bring that up? Oh, God, I totally it. forgot about him. <laughs> Very very common mistake uh there are nine hellraiser movies doug bradley plays pinhead in the first eight he ducked out on the last one because it was a rush to hold on to the licensing so they spent a quarter of a million dollars and made some unwatchable piece of garbage called hellraiser revelations that was even too below the bar Hmm. for a man who had played pinhead eight times over 20 years i like that even for that one, he said, I just can't because you can see how shameless it is. What a bitch. I like that term. I'm going to keep that with me as we move forward. Unwatchable piece of garbage. <laughs> That's yeah. uh, something we can refer back to throughout this whole uh, podcast. Could become a theme. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And now, just to kind of finish things off before we head to the trailers, I have a little game I would like us to play. It's called Make a Movie. <laughs> <laughs> That movie, of course, is going to be called The Intern. Yes. I've broken down a horror movie into five sections that we can all discuss and uh, piece together here. So first section, of course, is going to be the subgenre and the rating. I assume we're going to go hard R on this, right? Uh, NC-17. Whoa, whoa. NC-17. You're going to show your penis? Of course. Okay. Full frontal of The Intern. (laughs) Yeah, now if it's a flaccid penis, we can go R. If it's erect, we're going to have to go NC-17. It'll be erect, oh, It'll obviously. be both. This is my You'll point. You'll see the transition. This is my point, because we could cut his head off and still get an R, but if we show his penis, we're, we we got to go NC-17. Well, it's, erect penis. Limp penis is allowed in no, the R rating. It'll be a transition. It'll be limp and then erect. Oh, like a slow motion scene? Yes. Where, like you first witness your first dead body and we just have a close-up of your penis slowly That's jerking from happening. limp to erect. No, What'll happen it'll is be the, and the, it'll just be going up. The camera no, would, would go on me and I'd be like, I'm on camera? Erection. I'm I'm really 
This is piquing my interest, I'm Daniel. So Please. I'm so curious. Yeah, what is the first part? Okay, well, we need a subgenre for two here. So what are we going with? Are we going with some sort of like crime noir thriller? Home invasion. Home invasion. That's my favorite. That's your favorite. Would it be like a paranormal home invasion? I'm scared of ghosts. This is you at home playing the ukulele with your headphones on, trying to record music, and there's some... Giving myself an erection. Creepy shit happening outside. No, I think, because this is going to tie up into like sort of the main plot section of this movie, I think that the intern has to become infatuated with the person that he's interning under. So let's say just for example purposes, this won't have to be the movie itself, but let's say right now he's obsessed with Nathan, right? Right. So then he has to then become obsessed with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it becomes a home invasion horror on Chelsea's house as he shows up pantsless, playing the <laughs> ukulele. <laughs> And starts trying to convince Chelsea that he could be a better Nathan than Nathan. He's can. sleeping <laughs> in here tonight. So <laughs> there's only one bedroom at this apartment. Anything but that. Okay, so hard R slash NC seventeen home invasion. We've got that uh. settled. Opening sequence. We know the opening sequence in horror movies usually tends to be a little bit detached. It's sort of like to just give a nice, exciting like kill shot before it breaks you into the boring early role of the movie. So what is the intern here is going to have to be like testing his gumption on some random woman to see if he has the balls to follow through with his later plan, which is going to be the main plot of the movie. So that would be the person upstairs in like the condo. No, apartment. no, it would be on uh, Ivan's giant girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Bizarro Amanda. (laughs) As we've come to call her. No, we just... Your fetish too, intern, is that you want like a woman that's bigger than you to sort of like slap you around and show you how it's done? That's what Nathan thinks. No, we call her eight inches. No, what? <laughs> oh, we do yeah, not that's a, that's, no, because that's how much taller she is than Ivan. Yeah, she's eight inches taller than Ivan. <laughs> oh, I thought she's like an eight-inch clit. No. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, Ivan's gonna listen to this. You, you have know, to do some editing here. Got to cut this out. <laughs> yeah, I'm Amanda sure she might be in... listening also. <laughs> I'm sure she's a nice girl. Hey, this is what happens when you miss, right? Ivan has to understand. When you miss, shit happens, right? Bizarro Amanda takes the fall. What was that, Daniel? Ask the intern what happens when you miss. Uh, You guys talk about uh, how I masturbate. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens. You know, whether I'm here or not, I am the focal point. We don't just talk about masturbation. We talk about you eating your own ejaculate. And Amanda refers to um, your questionable humanity as a as a person. Can mm-hmm. we do a follow up to that mm-hmm. segment and ask the intern how many questions we got right? Oh, that's funny because I was gonna actually <laughs> do a segment on the next episode when I came back and just answer them accurately. Um, so yes to all of them. Which, if you listen to the next episode, that actually happens. <laughs> you do that? Yeah. Oh. So that he has to use like somebody else's tears to masturbate. If he uses his yeah. own, it burns. Was it in code? <laughs> like were you yeah. using things like penguin? Crap? I kept I kept referencing back to like each question. Really? Yeah. You were, but were you using like penguin crap codes no. and stuff like that? No. Okay. No. When you ejaculate now, do you go <laughs> krillin it? <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, only so, after I break into someone's house so, with a ukulele pantsless. Daniel, just to confirm, he's breaking into this house tonight and standing over uh, Chelsea in the dark, possibly without his underpants on, playing a ukulele. Is that where we're at? Yeah, well, that's that's like I think that's going to eventually be like sort of the climax in the main plot of the movie is that 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 scene you just described will happen. You're going to burst into the room. I don't know, doing something heroic. God knows what that is. We'd have to make it up from scratch because we have no relevance to go back to. Um, (laughs) But I think for the opening sequence, I think that I think the intern is right. I think it is going to have to be like a neighbor or someone in close proximity, maybe like. No, it's got to be someone above because I can make enough noise that they'll hear something and it would be like a, a lead into what's happening. They'll be like, what was that noise? Oh, don't worry about like, it, honey. Or like a sad girl that you always see microwaving burritos at the gas station on your way home from work. Why do you talk about me that way? <laughs> so first I attack Amanda. <laughs> how do I become the final girl? <laughs> yes, that is Chelsea. You, you, you are. You would be in this scenario. Yeah, well, you will, you will be the final girl because in, I think in this, for the main plot section, I think that the intern is going to have to like actually kill Nathan. Yeah, he's going to have to kill Nathan. And then, yeah, it's going to be more like a year next where Chelsea just continues to outsmart him and make a fool out of him. And that is why he remains the intern. Yes, and then the intern will like show up in the climax of the movie with like a blonde wig on and like black <laughs> pants with like a tucked in undershirt and... Is this like just like Chelsea will trying keep... to be over the top, sarcastic and witty? Chelsea's intellect will like outsmart my erection, so I'll just keep getting limp and can't do anything. You'll just yeah. be right. you'll 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 have a you'll have a collar and a chain and a ball, and your purpose will be sixty eight. <laughs> <laughs> I think sixty eight is code for just like masturbating with another human. Just someone pleasuring you and doing your bidding because they failed at home invasion. <laughs> aside oh aside God. from committing murder I'm pretty on a way better host <laughs> sure that the intern's just gonna pussy out in the opening scene and then this is gonna be a non-movie movie yeah he's just gonna feel shame and like oh uh, Amanda uh, will be like did you want something do you need me to pump the cheese for you and then he'll just like back away slowly he'll pull then- a Brian Cranston in, in Breaking Bad and just act like he's fucking crazy and take off all his clothes and start hitting walls with his head oh so it's like, it's like a really sad like, like coming of age <laughs> drama but it begins like it's a horror movie but really it's just like a uh, a Lars von Trier film, movie a, a filming technique throughout the rest of the plot so that every time some like super depressing moment happens in the intern's life he has like a fantasy about him taking over one of his friends roles and engaging with their girlfriends and then it like immediately snaps back to his pathetic life right it's a Lars von Trier movie in his own mind like in his own mind there's a musical going on there's people all around him with different percussion instruments uh, accompanying his uke but to everyone else he's just dancing around without his underwear on right and the main component to this game is that the last section of course has to be the twist and I think the twist is going to be like in the last five minutes of the movie, you're sort of misdirected and you have this really graphic and disturbing and uncomfortable scene where the intern is ejaculating on a girl's face. Yeah. But slowly it starts to like pulse and transition. And the last shot is the intern jacking off on his own face. <laughs> <laughs> and he like grabs some and holds it up to his mouth. 
and then he looks at the camera out of his peripheral. Breaks the fourth cr- wall. And then credits. As he yeah, raises he like his eyebrows. At the camera, and then in a beautiful transition, it goes right into Silence of the Lambs when Jodie Foster is walking down the hall and she gets cum thrown in her face. <laughs> this podcast episode needs an NC-17 rating. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, and as with most modern horror films, this episode is unrated. Brought to you by Sad Sack Studios. Mm, brought to you by Colgate. <laughs> Brush that cum out of your mouth, you filthy bastard. Well, a sad sack would be full of useless ejaculate, which is my nickname for the intern. Useless ejaculate. Coming at you live. <laughs> he's, he's a UI. Uh, beautiful. Let's go ahead and put a. Uh, Wouldn't it be a UE? Children friendly warning on this episode. <laughs> and and let's move in. Let's go ahead and move into our trailers for tonight. I have an excellent lineup tonight that I think touches on a little bit of all the different little things that horror the horror genre can bring you. Uh, beginning with something gross and disturbing. Damn it. <laughs> Just to clarify, Amanda, you have not seen any of these. I've seen the, tra- I've seen some of the trailers. Yeah, she saw one trailer at Alamo Draft House, and halfway through the trailer, looked at me and said, "This is for you, isn't it?" With scorn <laughs> in her voice. <laughs> All right, Daniel. Trailer number one: the headliner, the Greasy Strangler. Here we go. Uh, excuse you. Terrible sidekick. <laughs> uh, the Greasy Strangler. Here we go. I'm sorry. My dad can get cranky sometimes. As your father, I forbid you to marry. He sure has a temper on him. He likes to shout. I like to smile. <laughs> you cheesy old cornball. Imagine me stroking your clitoris with a pink feather. Yeah. That's what I am. I'm a cheesy old cornball. <laughs> I kind of like it. Hey! Stop talking to the customer and help Dad with his shorts. Imagine if I farted now. I love you. Like this? I don't know if I'm doing it right, Janet. Is this right? Kiss my juicy cherry lips. My dad might be the greasy strangler. I'm officially dating Janet. I'm the Spider-Man in a cocktail. <laughs> Bullshit artist! Bullshit artist! I call bullshit on that! Bullshit artist! You're covered in horse shit! You can be my forever love. You claimed her pussy, but you never claimed her heart! Thanks, Dad. That means a lot coming from you. Amanda. 
<laughs> worried or excited. I'm worried. I hate everything about this movie that I've seen from this trailer and all of the other trailers I've seen for it. I don't want it. This trailer was more comprehensible, though, right? Yeah, a little bit, I suppose, but I don't want any part of it. You didn't want to be the lead female character in this movie? Why should I? Huh? Why? Why? <laughs> Chelsea's face is fucking great. <laughs> oh, big worried from Amanda. Chelsea? <laughs> well, uh, that breakdown he had on the street in his undergarments was a little bit too close to my weekly breakdown. So I'm obviously worried because I don't need to relive that shit. <laughs> Seriously, though, what the fuck is this movie? But Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. he's the Spider-Man yeah. of Cocktown. Is that a line? Yeah. I believe it said rated G for excessive greasiness. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And this was a better trailer than others that I've seen and it still looks like a flaming ball of garbage. I... Yeah, the other ones are playing up the fact that this movie is just inherently grotesque. <laughs> but this one actually gives you like a sort of systemic plot that you can draw. Right. On. Yeah, sure. And even after this you're saying you don't want it. No. No one does, I don't think. This is a full on 68. Even after full. watching two of the most disgusting men you've ever seen put on film fuck a woman in the trailer. Even then? Nathan? Worried or excited? <laughs> there's a there's a situation here with the Greasy Strangler. And that's that it actually has critical acclaim. If it didn't have any critical acclaim whatsoever, if it had a, you know, 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, you could easily just say, "Oh, well, this is obviously um an unwatchable piece of garbage." <laughs> but what happens is you, you look it up and you see a 63% Rotten Tomato rating and you actually read about some critical acclaim from film festivals and cinephiles and uh, critics out there and you, you say, what? Could this possibly have some merit? Is this just diving into that you know rarely uh, visited subgenre of horror with you know a filth comedy element? And is it actually executing? And is it is it actually possible that this movie might be good? Nathan, can you read this positive review? Positive review from RogerEbert.com. Is any of this funny? Sometimes, though not often. Is that intentional? Well, that's debatable. Is it worth seeing? Yes, <laughs> but only if you enjoy being grossed out. That's a positive <laughs> review. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, that, that review sold me. <laughs> I'm going. There are people I mean, out the first there. First trailer I ever watched for this, but yeah, go ahead and intern. Uh, I I haven't given my worried or excited yet. Uh, Katie, oh, sorry, trying this out. Yeah, go ahead. Katie Rife from AV Club says there are people out there who find gross-out internet videos funny, and these people will wholeheartedly embrace Jim Hosking's featured directorial debut with a comma splice. That's all she says directorial debut god can he ever do better than this let's hope so soren anderson from the seattle times says the best thing about the greasy strangler that title the worst thing about the greasy strangler everything that follows that title <laughs> nathan 
Nathan says, this could be interesting if I smoked a lot of marijuana. I'm worried. Boom. Oh, that's a lot of marijuana excited. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. if there ever was a role that was meant for me to play, oh my it God, would be exactly the Greasy Strangler. How oh. can you not be excited when you see what you could be destined to become? Why? In- I am so In- excited. I'm so you excited. I, you and I, I think, have to make a fan remake of this movie. Let's do it. Where but you it play has to my be dad, the Greasy Strangler. <laughs> NC-17. All ratings. Amanda, do you love Daniel enough to go to the theater to watch the Greasy Strangler with him? No. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to wait for this one or brave it myself at the theater. So that's all worried. I think, in turn, did you say excited? Oh, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. And I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Yeah, I am definitely excited for the Greasy Strangler. I was excited from the moment that Amanda looked at me in the theater and said, this is for you, isn't it? And I said, yeah, it's for me, babe. I need to ask a question. Mm-hmm. Does he strangle anyone? Because to me, it seems like a coming-of-age story disguised as a fart joke. Yeah, disguised as like a Tim and Eric. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Bizarro. This is like psychedelic sexscape. Yeah, I don't know how to describe this movie. It is is inherently disgusting, and it seems to have more of a plot than initially thought based on this trailer. How many critical kills does the dad have? I don't know. I have a feeling like there's going to be constant reference to people dying in the background. Yes. And they're going to be applying them to the greasy strangler throughout the movie, and eventually it's going to come out that it's the dad, probably about a half maybe a quarter or halfway into it. This is what I see. From then. I see news story followed by filthy shock humor followed by news story, filthy shock humor, and then they might actually escalate it because there is that one scene in the trailer where it shows him covered in what looks like Vaseline. Grease. Yeah. Grease. Yeah. He's got grease all over his body. So I think at one point he does equip the grease and go outside on a uh, killing, on a strangle. I think there might be some kill scenes. There might be some actual death. We moments. saw him strangling someone, and their eyes popped out of their head. Oh, really? Yeah, there's some there's some hilarious gore that they expose there at the end. Do we think that they sort of not stole, but were inspired by the greased up death guy in Family Guy? Oh, could be, could be. Good reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some similarities gross- there greasy man that's nude yeah if nothing else when you go and see a movie like this no matter how gross you find yourself to be you walk out feeling better about yourself after watching a movie like this it's not a selling point babe (laughs) so if you think that you yourself have a gross body go watch this and feel better can we just do a shout out to the director of this movie how did you fucking get the financing for this to be your first feature film this is Elmo Draft House producing this? I actually don't know. I have a feeling if they're not directly, they definitely have some money into it. Yep. This is the kind of thing that's right up their alley. No, I see it on the poster now. Draft House Films. There we go. So two excited and three worried. But I feel like our excited are more excited than their worried <laughs> are worried. <laughs> Take it into account. All right. Something to alleviate that grotesque thing that we just watched. Uh, I think the ladies might like this a little bit more than the previous trailer. 
Uh, this is something strange and stylish, something I also equate with the horror genre. Previous one was, of course, something gross and disturbing. This one is something strange and stylish. This is The Love Witch. The Love Witch. Here we go. Jerry died, the cops wouldn't stop harassing me. They couldn't prove anything. They actually thought that I killed him. Anyways, San Francisco got to be a really bad trip after you left. And that's when I remembered you had that extra apartment. Hey. Hi, I'm Trish. Hi, Trish. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them. Love me. Love me. What I'm really interested in is love. You might say I'm addicted to love. You want to take a girl up there now? <laughs> you want some? What is it? I met this great-looking guy. I used love magic on him. Then he got really weird on me. All these emotions started flowing out of him. Then he got really sick. What is it, Wayne? What is it, baby? What a pussy. What a baby. Wayne. Witchcraft is just a way of concentrating energy. You can only work with what's already there. I just use sex magic to create love magic. <laughs> Sometimes it's almost scary how strong the love gets. And sex magic, of course. Now, that's not the trailer I'm used to, but it will do. Intern, worried or excited? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there was any role that I feel like I was meant for, it would probably be the love witch. I mean, what is there when I finish my transition? This is the role that is meant for me. I mean, no, I feel no, like I no. could seduce the uh, male persuasion with love magic. This is just a role that is, is meant for me. I want to do. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm glad you're excited, but you were born for the Greasy Strangler, so don't get confused. <laughs> All right. Once, once the transition's done, I'm born for everything, baby. All right. Excited. Chelsea? Um, As you what did, expected. What did you just watch, Chelsea? What did I just watch? God knows. Um, 
I actually liked the narration, which is abnormal for me. Uh, it seems to be about this 20-something-year-old girl that moves from place to place and uses these potions to seduce men, and it escalates on their side. She seems unaware that she's the root cause, and it's filmed in sort of like a soap opera. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're, no, you're right. There is there's another trailer. Nathan um, was sucking a microphone like a cock. Just putting that uh, microphone right in his mouth. Wow. Like only he knows how. Um, I <laughs> like how it's filmed. In summation, I like how it's filmed. I like how stupid she seems to be and unaware of her effect, I guess. And um, I think it's going to be interesting, if not a great horror movie. And uh, let's put a... Let's put an excited in that and send it over Nathan's way so he can stop sucking this microphone off. Mock Technicolor Hughes. (laughs) And it also brings to mind some meatloaf. What? At the end of the trailer, she says, I would do... She would say... uh, She says, I would do anything for love. And I had a meatloaf I would do anything for love. Right, but I I will... do that. Right, but I will do this. I'm excited. Woo! Um, there's something about this. The stylish element going on here, like the the hues, the Technicolor thing that they're doing from the 70s. And there's just something about this that seems very inviting. Um, there's also a very big difference between this and the Greasy Strangler. I would use the word coherence. <laughs> would, you, yeah. would you inform us of the rating that you just pulled up on this? Well, Rotten Tomatoes says 100%. <laughs> On this, um, there seems to be a lot of great positive input on this movie, but I don't really need that either because you can just tell the the poster, the the girl, like some of the moments with him um, <laughs> that Daniel was laughing at during the trailer as well. That uh, she seduces people with love, and it and it's going to go on this very um, strange stylistic journey, and it's going to transcend a few different genres here. I don't think this is a straight-up horror stamp on this. I think this is going to have quite a few different elements to it. So, yeah, I'm I'm very interested. Oh, it says, is that interested mean excited? Uh, yes, I said I was excited before. But, um, yes, if you need me to say it again, yes, I'm excited. Okay, outstanding. Yes, um, Amanda. Uh, I am also excited i was a little bit disappointed in this trailer because i feel like it gave too much of the story away i was like oh we're just watching the movie Mm -hmm. we're watching the whole thing right now um but it is it is it's very inviting and charming and i think that i will watch it and in my head really feel like it's an old movie and something about that seems nice so i'm excited it does this movie has like a really nice feel to it it's got a sitcom 1970s sitcom soap opera sort of filming style attached to it it's got really super dry humor about a woman who's essentially a witch who's trying to make men fall in love with her but she makes them fall too much in love with her so they turn into like weepy suicidal bastards (laughs) (laughs) and i think there's a a really dark sense of humor that you're going to get from this movie that you're not going to get from anywhere else i think it's going to have a really unique feel to it and i am also 
very excited. Was that unanimously excited? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. This, uh, I'm just looking up this director of this movie. The writer-director of this movie did another movie called Viva in 2007, which has a similar feel to it. It it says two suburban couples experiment with sex, drugs, and bohemia in early 1970s Los Angeles, and the poster is screaming a very similar experience, except without the horror element involved. Oh, let's hope that the first time was a practice run, and this one will nail it. I kind of picture us all watching The Love Witch, embracing and enjoying, and then and then going back, maybe. And enjoying a little Viva. You guys, what do you think? Don't tell me what to do. Okay. All right. Well, that was disappointing. <clears throat> All right. The Fulcrum of the Fulcrum. Is that what we're looking at here? An all-horror lineup episode? Then this is the Fulcrum within the horror lineup episode? Does this mean that it has extra importance? The elbow penis of the episode. Last year, we did the witch as the centerpiece. This year is... This year is the eyes of my mother. Ooh. Something creepy and beautiful. Hmm. The eyes of my mother. Here we go. I don't do this very often. Do what? Go home with people. Neither do I. Your house is so neat. Thank you. Is this your mother? Yes. What did she do? She was a surgeon in Portugal. What kind? Eyes. We used to do the sections together. What happened to her? Fascinated by how the inside of the body looked. She always hoped I would be a surgeon one day. I'm going to go ahead and take the lead on this one just in case anybody was a little bit confused or a little bit sedated because I am very excited about this movie. There's something about the, I don't know, I I could be wrong here. I'm going to go with my gut, but I feel like there is something incredibly visceral 
and grueling that will be a part of the experience of watching this movie that maybe that they keep on the back burner uh, throughout the trailer, which is that they do this great sort of contrasting mock-up of this like cute, slender little girl that grows up to be this slender little woman who has this intense and detached uh, nature about the human body and about investigating the human body that they give you little glimpses to throughout with her having people tied up in her bedroom or in her barn or some crazed man running around in the woods screaming as she calmly walks around uh, the perimeter of her house. There's something here, I think, that is definitely either going to be interesting to watch or is going to implant itself as a sort of milestone in this genre. I feel something very special from this trailer. I'm not sure if that that's me just pouring more into it and hoping it's going to be more than it actually is, or if you guys see it too. So I'm interested. There's something here that screams horror, Americana, and quality all at the same time, which is super, super rare to get. So I'm very excited. What do you guys think? Amanda? Um, I'm also really excited. I uh, get a lot of the things that you're pointing to and the things that you are hoping uh, will be there. I have some hesitancy about pace of the movie. Um, That being said, I am excited to see it and I hope that it executes as much as the trailer seems to. I like that. Chelsea? Uh, I'm also excited. Um, I've never been able to relate to a potential serial killer the way I feel I have in this trailer. Um, I feel like if she can do it, I can too. And that gives me hope. So <laughs> <laughs> the accountant too, Chelsea's story. <laughs> I hope to be a horror movie one day. No, it looks cool. It's uh black and white also. I don't know if we've mentioned that already, but um, that also gives it sort of a comforting feel while crazy fucking shit is going down. I also really mm-hmm. like that quote that they said. Um, Francesca is a monster for all ages or something like yeah. that. I, I like that they call her a monster because that's the subtle feel that I yeah. get from the trailer. And I'm happy to see them confirm it. It's like they're not shoving it down your throat. And... And I mean, it's very relatable. So we'll see how it executes. But from the trailer, it looks very quality. I'm excited. Yeah, there's a part where it shows her like engaging in some extreme violence. And then it cuts to her sitting at a table eating dinner by herself. And she's like super innocent. And she just sort of like taps her fingertips together as she's like deciding what she's going to eat. Yeah, I don't know why, but that like embodies and cements the trailer for me that tiny little scene even the way that uh it there's a scene where she's sawing something it doesn't show you what and then the sawing noise carries you through the rest of the trailer Mm -hmm. it i mean we'll let the audience the tpp audience decide for themselves but it's unnerving yeah i'm putting a lot of stock in this one so i really (laughs) hope it doesn't fucking fail i'm with you daniel (laughs) thanks um I really appreciate uh, that this is a black and white movie, which I do believe this is the first black and white film to make an appearance on TPP. So congratulations for a first. Um, This looks actually very good. Um, I'm very excited to watch this. Uh, Excited 
thinking that it's going to affect me the same way that the witch kind of affected me. I think this was a good pick to put in the the fulcrum, the uh, limp elbow spot. <laughs> and uh, it's not going to catch. Fetch is never going to happen, Gretchen. It's good. <laughs> I'm glad that I watched this trailer. Um, it makes me feel ashamed of myself for saying excited for the first two. And uh, good job. I'm actually excited for this third one. I'm actually excited. <laughs> Does that taint your silver shard that is probably going to happen? Well, I, I said it I might. Was- I don't know. Um, this one, this one just seems like it is kind of a, a step above, and by a step, I mean like a like four four story ladder. <laughs> yeah, like like thirty steps above. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Nathan. Uh, no, the I don't I don't get handed things by an intern. Daniel, tell no. Nathan. Um, now that everyone else is done and we've reserved the most important opinion, Nathan. <laughs> Thank wow. you, uh, cousin. Thank you, my blood. Um, Daniel, there's a few things that I use to qualify trailers. And when I'm in a tough spot, um, things play out in a specific way. So with the eyes of my mother, what are we dealing with here? We're dealing with a young, lonely woman who is consumed by her deepest and darkest desires after tragedy strikes her quiet country life. And this is done in a very stylistic, black and white kind of way. We take a look at the director and writer of this movie, Nicholas Pesky. What we find, what we find with Nicholas Pesky, uh, Daniel, is that he hasn't really done very much. He was a producer, or he was a miscellaneous crew member on The Producers. But other than that, this guy is coming out of fucking nowhere. I know something that I could say about him. Sure, what? He looks exactly like the intern. He is a fucking doppelganger of the intern. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you look at his image, you will find that he has the same beard and the same kind of glasses that the intern wears. He He is a complete doppelganger. So that throws another wrench into this situation. So then we have don't to... Let it, don't let it shadow your opinion. Well, we, we've got this unknown coming out of the darkness in black and white. He looks like the intern. We don't what? know if he is not the intern. Right, we what, can't confirm. Yeah, what do we do? So what we, have I been doing in the trailer park for the last little while? You guys don't know. Is that why the intern is so excited about this trailer? <laughs> it's going to be great, guys. We take a look at the main actress who is... Um, you know, in the quoting persuasion of the trailer, referred to as a monster. We look at her filmography. We see she was one of the actresses in a movie called Vamp Bikers. That causes concern. <laughs> um, I would like to make a point, though. Okay. The director of the Vavitch that everybody liked so much was also a nobody. Eggers. Exactly. Thank you, Amanda, for bringing that up, which is why I am going to say I'm excited, but only because I give a lot of weight when quoting persuasion happens to the quality of the comments being made. If it says the best horror movie, blah, 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 it's too vague. When it gets specific, my ears perk up and I dismiss things like vamp bikers and intern doppelgangers. And I get captured by the moment. In this trailer, they say things like claws into your subconscious and lingers there. It's a good one. A beautiful nightmare from start 
to finish. When when those things happen, when when critics, professional critics, watch a movie and they say shit like that, poetic things like that, you've got me. I toss everything aside. I'm excited. Mm. There is more excited tonight than I can even remember in the last many Trailer Park episodes. Oh. I'm excited just for that. Mm. You guaranteed yourself two worries. <laughs> yeah, pretty especially considering what the what we have next for trailer number four <laughs> uh we have something that i've titled something from nothing this is a big aspect of the horror genre which is when which is this sort of permission that no matter how bad or good whatever the thing is that came before there's always an opportunity for you to make something of your own from that and in this case, it is something that was forgettable and terrible, right? I think, Mana, you and I watched the original Ouija movie, right? Yeah. It, do you remember anything about it? I remember you falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Completely forgettable and unwatchable. A, the truest zero in the, in the terms of the word. However, in this case, I found myself fascinated by the sequel, which seems to have taken the fact that it has nothing that it needs to work up from and just started something on its own. Ouija colon origin of evil. Ouija colon origin of evil. Here we go. It's nothing too concerning. What's this? New prop for work. Spirit, can you hear me? Yes, we can. And we can see you. Who are you talking to, Doris? Daddy, are you there? Who are you? Did you see her writing this? No. Because it's Polish. Doris, who did this? I'll show you. Are you here? Something is happening that we can't understand. I'm concerned about your girl. The spirit world is dangerous. What are you doing? I'm not doing it. You know what it feels like to be strangled to death? <laughs> something is wrong with Doris! She's experiencing something amazing! I believe she is channeling powers we do not understand. Doris? Tell me I'm into something, something, tell 
Nathan, worried or excited about Ouija colon Origin of Evil? Well, we all know that horror franchises sometimes don't reach their peak or their pinnacle until the second installment, a la uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Freddy 2, <laughs> um, where Jesse, Jesse has a girl problem. Um, Origin of Evil. Talking about Jesse's girl? Jesse's big, girl. Big girl problem. Because it doesn't like them at all. Yeah. And he spills blood all over a couch and doesn't seem to care. Ugh, fucking ridiculous. But great movie. Great installment in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Origin of Evil, I am just going to tell you, Daniel, that I'm I'm worried about this. <laughs> I'm worried about this. I like some of the stuff going on in the trailer. There's this possessed little girl, and she's walking around doing some freaky shit. Um, she's, you know, closing people's mouths and she's, uh, making a kid turn a slingshot on himself, which is kind of amusing. And then Elliot from E.T. shows up, uh, 40 years later. That's right. That's the, who he is. As the yep. priest in this movie. And there's something about this that just feels forgettable. Uh, it might deliver a few quick scares. It might deliver a few fun moments with this little girl. She looks like she's doing a good job, but I just find myself in a state of of worry. Ouija. Ouija? It's a it's a ridiculous board game. Have you ever played with a Ouija board? I did once a long time ago and everybody had their hand on it and I was like this is bullshit. If it actually moved without anybody's hand on it, yeah, I'd be I'd be there on opening night, but it never did. I just stared at everybody Wait, else. Conduit, Nathan. It's a tool. It's not a game. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, conduit, whatever. Worried is my answer. Amanda? Uh, they made some good choices with the second Ouija installment. The Ten. first one was so bad. Right. was so bad, but it was commercially successful, so they could make another one. Um, good choice going back in time instead of just making a true sequel. That was the only way they could go and have anything worth watching at all. Um, also having the, the girl sort of be possessed by the spirits that are coming out of the Ouija board or whatever. Um, that being said, it does look super forgettable. The fact that we saw the same scene three times in a single trailer says that there's nothing in this movie worth remembering um that being said i mean it's getting decent reviews like it, i mean it's like better than 50 percent. i think last time i checked um but i still think it's gonna be pretty bad and i no longer want to see it worried worried two worries chelsea fuck this movie <laughs> i hate paranormal shit i know it's fucking garbage i know it's commercial but something about it just Ruins my sleep at night. I can't explain my emotions about it. That being said, most of these commercial movies, they rely on like a few things that I'm getting a little bit sick of. Like the kid host. Um, I don't find small children that unnerving so or relatable. Like... If I were to not sleep tonight, I'd be like, well, there's no small child being possessed, so I can probably go to bed and rest easy. 
Right, it's the intern without his pants on. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> you. No, you're right. Conjuring 2 comes to mind. Conjuring 2, yeah, I went and saw that in theaters. And not only was it a terrible theater experience because people laughed about it the entire time <laughs> <laughs> behind me, but also it was full of jump scares. Now, I know some people that have already seen this movie because it came out on Friday and we're recording on Saturday. So these people went opening night and assured me that it is streets ahead of Ouija 1. Of course it is. And I don't think that's a hard threshold to come across. But they also said that there weren't as many jump scares as they would have liked, which gives me hope because they have terrible taste in movies and jump scares are cheap. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So... On that note, considering my past of paranormal um, discomfort and my friend's taste in movies, I'm going to say I'm excited on that front alone. Hopefully, it delivers at least some sort of um, tension or success. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Shocking, but I think you're making the right move. I- Intern? Um, I found, <laughs> is this like a comedy horror or Fuck a right horror off. comedy because Fuck right off. I found this I, trailer to be pretty funny. Um, I, it's, you're it's an, a comedy horror. Go ahead. Like an incredible asshole. Right when now. <laughs> when they turn the uh, the slingshot, I was like laughing my ass off. And then she's like, "Do you know what it's like to be strangled by yourself?" <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> Who strangles himself unless they're dying from autoerotic asphyxiation? Like what the don't, fuck? Sprinkles, don't pretend like you don't know it. Yeah. Like, you've never sat down with a taut belt around your neck tied to the doorknob. Please. A belt? It's always a tie. You don't own a tie. I own an actual noose. It's why, an actual noose. <laughs> why are you bringing up strangling again? Um, oh my God. Greasy? It's a, little, it's a little greasy. It feels greasy. I like to use my own tears to grease myself up. Yeah. And do some strangling on myself even. Um, it's it's not like a mortar and pestle mix of ejaculate and tears. Just say no. you're worried and so, get it over with. I remember when I was younger and I had this this uh, friend of mine who tried to convince everyone that he played with a Ouija board was in the it woods. Ivan? Was it no, Ivan? No, no, no. Bring, okay. bring in, in the woods. Bring in the, just a second. Bring in the music. <laughs> and they were camping and uh, they were at the fire playing with the Ouija board. And an axe flew out of somewhere and hit a tree. And I believe that he's full of shit. Uh, So I have no connection to anything that's happening here other than uh, a few uh, quick laughs. I am extremely worried. Cool story, bro. I'm uh, tears jerking off, unable to happen, worried. Mortar and pestle. Mortar and pestle okay. worry. Here's here's where I think that Chelsea and I are going to be the only right ones on this thing. <laughs> There's something incredibly charming and rewatchable and adorable about a truly sincere B movie. Now, in this contemporary era of movies and internet culture and zeitgeist, we don't get sincere subpar shit anymore because everything is done consciously ironically. This movie, to me, is the first true B-movie trailer I have seen in a long time. It is sincere in that it has nowhere to go but up from the original. 
And it looks like the directors and producers of the original movie said, it made some money. We thought it would tank. We don't know what to do with it now. Let's just give it to this guy. Here, you make something. And he took it as his chance to be truly creative and make something original on his own, separate from that first movie. So I think that even if this movie comes out sort of mediocre in the end, I don't think it's going to be anything like you all think it's going to be. I think this is going to be a truly sincere B-movie like we haven't seen since maybe the late 80s. Is this Low missing? budget, bad idea, but presented well, has some crazy fucking moments in it that we'll remember forever, and then a relatively forgettable plot. I think that's what we're looking at here, and I'm totally excited to see something that I thought couldn't be made anymore. Excited. I'll just say that if you're right, they do it accidentally. That's, That's okay. what he's saying. I've taken oh. that into consideration. Okay. <laughs> Where is Chopping Mall? I've cleaned literally almost all of her DVDs, and I haven't seen Chopping Mall. It's on there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's there. <laughs> Wait, don't you worry about Chopping Mall. It's right next to Zombies and Nazis. Is that our next trailer? Is that in the vamp bike section? <laughs> <laughs> no, Ouija Origin of Evil was something from nothing. And for our final trailer tonight, we're going to watch something violent and fun. This is called Fear, Inc. Fear, Inc. Here we go. I just want to be scared a little bit. I just want to shake in my boots. <laughs> hey, look at that. Not scary. This ain't scary enough, huh? Sorry? This dude told me about this company that create these custom scares for you. Fear something. If you ever want to be really scared, just call that number. You don't want to do this. These guys chase my boss through a parking garage in the middle of the night. Fear Inc. How do we get tickets? Sorry, we're sold out. We're live at the scene of a quadruple homicide. Is that a house? Joe Foster is considered to be the main suspect. What the Fear Inc. What? They got the breakers. Did you not hear a word we said? This company is dangerous, man. Little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair of your chinny chin chin. <laughs> well, then I'll blow your house in. What kind of company do you guys run? You made me kill my friends. You're the horror buff, Joe. You should have known. This, this is a game. The Shining, Scream, they're all horror films. Awesome, wasn't it? <laughs> Something strange going on, Joe. Keep an eye out. Intern, worried or excited? Uh, all right. So there's a few things that are happening here. 
and in this quote persuasion and it said scream meets cabin in the woods now cabin in the woods is like got very high rating but a movie that i disdain (laughs) and scream is a movie that i really enjoy so i don't know what to do with this information because they're polar opposites which kind of makes sense too, because you and I are polar opposites. Like I like cabin in the woods, never been a big fan of scream. And the, just the thought of this makes me think that this movie is going to be like that. There's going to be parts that I will most likely really enjoy, but there will also be the other half that I just really fucking hate. Um, and, and I, I don't know what to do with this information i don't i don't know were you were you worried about ouija i, I was worried about ouija well you already fucked the silver shard so there's no pressure there i think that there's going to be a lot of uh parts of this movie that will be entertaining to me though but overall there might just be too many that are uh just too much i am i'm worried i'm worried i'm cabin in the woods worried that's not a good descriptor. Um, I'm worried that this is going to have moments that are going to just be so fucking ridiculous and nonsensical uh, while it's trying to be serious and not be able to pass that test. All right. Fair enough. Worried, Chelsea? Prediction. I predict. There's a scene in this trailer. Let me preface. There's a scene in this trailer where he says, you made me kill all my friends. I predict... For anyone who's seen the game out there. Yeah, the game, good mention. Yeah. That they're all going to show up at the end of the movie at some sort of swanky cocktail party and they're all going to be in on it. Now, if that's the case, there's also a quoting persu- persuader that said twists on twists, which means that if I ever do plug this DVD into my DVD player, that I will be expecting absolute chaos which in my experience ruins movies. So based on that alone, I'm worried even though I think that the idea is cool and that the meta over aware horror movie really appeals to me. Would, um, you, would you say it would be a failed version of the game? I don't, well, they're not in the same genre, but well, I, I mean, maybe partially in the same genre. But actually, my fear stems from watching the game because the game is a great movie that was ruined for me by a recommendation. Someone said, oh, you want a movie that'll really fuck you up? You'll never guess the ending. Watch the game. And the whole time I was watching it, I was trying to guess what the twist was. Yeah, that sucks. And it ruined it. <coughs> so I, I have to be worried even though it might, it might be, it might deliver. I don't know. This is your game, Chelsea. And welcome to it. C-R-S. If they're all alive at the end, fuck this movie. Daniel, I really want to go next. Okay, Daniel says that Nathan should go next. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. I have a prediction to make. Uh Ding, ding, ding. At the end of this movie, all of the friends that he has quote unquote killed will show back up and they were all in on it and then twist on twist they get fucking killed at the end fuck you 
because it's a twist on twist. It's like saying the game ending and then, oh, <laughs> yeah, no, they are dead. So, yeah, and you had me at twist on twist. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, twister excited. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, you you try I I watch this trailer and I I begin to see the, you know, game reference or whatever. And, you know, that makes me, you know, start to formulate jokes in my brain about the movie. And then it keeps going and it keeps getting deeper and deeper and I said to myself, I can't judge this anymore. This is this is going on a crazy journey. Twists on twists. I'm fucking in. Let's Hashtag. do this. Let's see where this goes. I, I owe it to myself as a lover of twists on twists to take that roller coaster ride wherever it leads. This is one purple nurple short of a great film. Will will the water slide open up into a nice giant pool that I can splash into and dive deep into and, and rise up to the surface? Or, or will, will it be now you see me? Or will it be lame? <laughs> will I will I come out of the opening at the end of the water slide and it'll just be one of those little ramp things without any real pool? Just a, a little water thing that says, hey, get up before the next person slides and rams you in the ass. That's a terrible analogy. Hate Amanda? That, hate that kind of water slide. I was really really excited to see the little brother from son-in-law as an adult. <laughs> um, but as far as the movie goes, I son-in-law son-in-law is your go-to, not <laughs> Sandlaw. That's, uh, that's, that's a plus. Trust me. Anywho, I do. I think I'm, I think that this movie will actually be like cabin in the woods in the sense that it's a really good idea but it's going to shit the bed somewhere around the third baseline. Like it's going to go off the rails and it's going to suck and you're going to feel disappointed when it's all over with. Yeah. See, Amanda thinks that Cabin in the Woods failed in the last 20 minutes. It did. It does. It's a great idea. Such a cool idea. And then it just. <laughs> so for that reason, I have to go worried. Well, you guys have kind of soured me on it. To be honest, this is the worst trailer for this film that I've seen so far. Uh, there is better ones that sort of give it the idea that it's more of a comedic. You're following the main guy who's aware that this whole thing is supposed to be a game like the game and is just wildly unaware of how real it is the entire time until it's so real he can't avoid it. The trailers that play up that aspect of this movie are a lot better because it makes it seem more of a comedy you get more of the laughs that come from being a horror fan and a horror genre fan and getting some of the meta jokes. This is sort of, sort of a messy trailer, so I get the disappointment that everyone has had with it so far. That being said, I think the movie behind this trailer is better than the trailer itself. There's something to this that I think is going to pick up on some nice like trope mockery. I'm not expecting to be wowed or amazed by this movie, but I am expecting to have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to go with a mild excited on this one. The poster really speaks to that. The poster itself, like just there's so many things going on in the poster that that really expresses what you're trying to say, that there's a lot of tropey, fun, ridiculous things, making a killing one client at a time. The poster instills me with a confidence when I give my excited for this. We will stand by our exciteds. We will, as cousins, as blood. As cousins, <laughs> as blood. Blood oath. Can we talk about Chopping Mall now? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. We're shopping. 
Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. Yeah, shopping mall is a lot of fun. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get to it someday. Second half of the show. <sighs> a little less formal, a little less rigid, a little more burden. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like work on the uh, on the back stretch. Yeah, a little work we do for each other. Yeah, and speaking of work that is delegated, how's that? Uh, oh, we're going to talk about some burden. You guys are going to burden each other. Right. And when we... uh, we're not going to ruin it this time by uh, blowing the load on guessing what's happening. Oh, right. Um, Last time you went down on us. Yeah, we're going to go up on each other first this time. Well, we're going to yeah, go last up. Last time it was very sloppy how, when, how you went down on us. Yeah. No, you guys went down on each other and then went up on each other, which is rather sloppy. Well, it felt like a 68. Oh, yeah, yeah. It must have yeah, for both like, of you. You were going down on both of us. The only one that got to come in that was me. And then we both went up on you. No, it's the other way around. Wait, was I doing Indian style? <laughs> it's uh, cross-legged. So what when is the burden grabs, list? Well, when yeah. someone grabs your forearm and then twists their hands in different directions, what do you call that? The burden list? No. Origami. Origami. Flesh gami. You don't call that an Indian sunburn? I call it flesh gami. I call that an easy way to get off. Terrible. Wow. Come <laughs> guys. Catch up with the future. Uh, the past, you mean? Um, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Catch up with the past. Here, read read this on the Trailer oh, Park Podcast um, website. Burden lists. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what those things are called. Burden list. It's, it's, uh, colon. It's it's meant to help you pronunciate it, which you already did, so you're just being right. redundant. Uh, a list of items that need to be appreciated and require the insight and understanding of a gentleman in order to be removed from the list. Which is why you don't have a burden list. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. my burden list is the much more... pronunciation is just there if you're an idiot. And... <laughs> And my burden list is much more extensive than your guys' bullshit one movie. Yours, yours is a delegated job that you have to do. Yeah. yeah it's employment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. How does, this, how does this work? Please explain it to us. Uh, so what happens is uh, you both individually choose a movie that you feel the other person needs to watch and appreciate. And then uh, there's five movies that end up on a list and... You guys can watch them, and if you appreciate them, they come off the list. And if you don't, then uh, the list grows if you don't complete the task of watching the movie and somewhat appreciating it. So basically, Daniel's going to go to six tonight, and I'm going to stay at five. That's a possibility. Yeah. But before we get to that, let's find out what the options are for a movie that would be going up. Okay. We're going to put another movie up on the list, so you guys are both actually going to be going to six uh, for a small amount of time. 
Okay, just for the purpose of the of of the podcast, really. Right. Yeah. Okay. So who who goes first in this? Do we flip a coin? Do we? Um, do no, we no. Uh, Nathan, measure, you can go first. Measure penises. Okay. Uh, Daniel's been running this episode, so I thought I'd give him the last chance to speak here. So biggest penis goes first. Okay. Um. <laughs> all right. Uh, Daniel, seeing as this is a horror-themed episode, I thought I would tune into my inner death, and I'd keep it simple and straightforward, as horror movies often are. Um, Daniel, would you like a movie? Um, well, here I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out for you: uh, death of a father, death of a mother, or death of a wife. Ooh, nice choice breakdown. I really wish that Amanda was still present to hear his response. <laughs> no, it's okay. Death of a mother. I think you're going to get some some classic horror plot trope examples in there. Uh, <laughs> death of a father seems to lean a little more towards violence. Death of a wife. That one's interesting. Could go either way. So I am. Yeah, I am. Well, I'm, I'm a little unsure. What are the options? That's those are the options. Those are the oh, options. I don't get clips. I don't get music. I don't get one star reviews. Nothing. Nothing. You it's, get the death of somebody. That's what simple. you get. It's simple. You know, it's like when you evaluate a horror movie trailer. It's pretty vague. So that's what we're doing. Hmm. It has the most opportunity for potential, the most opportunity for failure. Let's go death of a wife. You have chosen Demolition starring Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I thought this was a different one. I was, was rooting for this one. I thought it was a different option. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, well, must be that uh, weird tough source code, and it would have mm. been more horror. Uh, have you seen Source Code? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Demolition. Uh, Nathan and I watched this uh, together, actually. Yeah. Um, and had opposing opinions. No, no. Uh, we both. Uh, I think we found it funnier than most people. Yeah. Um, so in turn, in turn, you hated it. Nathan loved it. No, we both enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. I went for a washroom break after. and No, never mind. Uh, Daniel, uh, do you have options for Nathan? I do. I do. Also, considering that this is a horror episode and a horror month and sort of a horror theme altogether, Um I've come up with one of my favorite horror directors who is probably most notoriously not tied toward horror directly, but he is considered the king of a specific subgenre of horror known as body horror. And that king is David Cronenberg. So I have three Cronenberg options for you tonight, and I have distinguished them based on their IMDb tag words. The tag so words. Three tag words per film that you can choose from. First one, three tag words are human experiment, psychic power, and exploding heads. <laughs> Your second one, the oh, tag words are illegal, snuff film, and surrealism. And for the third Cronenberg option tonight, your keywords are writer, cyberpunk, and lunch. Okay. <clears throat> can I can I interact with you on this? 
Sure, sure. I was mean to you, so I understand. <laughs> if you if you don't want to give me any shifting ability here, but I know that number one is scanners. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. Um, I also want to say that I've never seen the fly, and I would be yeah, most interested. Yeah. I would be most interested in watching the fly if that is one of these options. I don't it know. It is not. I, I didn't think it was. Um, shit. God damn it. Um, is Videodrome one of them? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, ah, God damn it. I want you to reveal what they are and discuss them with me, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's fair either. Ooh, Christopher Walken's in the dead zone. Is the dead zone one of them? I mean, if you have things you think they are, I'm willing to like discuss those with you. Well, I've pretty much pinned down the first one to scanners, but I don't know what the other ones are. I mean, I've seen some of the later Cronenberg. I think you know that I've seen Existence and Crash because I think we watched them together, maybe. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, that's sort of in like the fading part of his career. Yeah, I'm looking at the mid, like the beginning to the mid '80s here where he pounded out Scanners, Videodrome, Dead Zone, and The Fly, back to back to back to back, and then to Dead Ringers later. But, ah, God, Um, do I go with the the thing that I know is there, or do I? No, I think you should just choose something else. Honestly, you can't go wrong, honestly. You can't go wrong, honestly. What do you think, intern, two or three? Because we know that number one is Scanners, so if we avoid the exploding heads, then we got to go two and three. But are you avoiding possibly the best option <laughs> <laughs> he wants me to watch scanners well then do that yeah yeah do it yeah hey, right. i'm not asking you to watch anything i love all three of this these is, possibilities uh, came out the year i was born so that's uh, i'm sticking with scanners okay well let's go number three number three <laughs> <laughs> he said that it was on his birthday or something and it pissed me my off. birth year yeah I, I couldn't deal with it Oh, you're, uh, the number three is not intern's birth year. That's what you mean. No, number one was. I know. Uh, he said he, he connected to it in a in a weird way. It pissed me off, so I, I went three at the last second. Okay, so number three <laughs> is David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch. Yeah. Naked Lunch. This one is the least comprehensive of the three options. It is also the craziest, so we'll see. I should watch this also. This is something that's been on a list of movies I feel like I should have watched. Scanners Scanners was the first option, probably the most horror thematic one of them all. It has to do with deception, uh, psychic powers, telekinesis. Uh, The second option was Videodrome. That's very uh, that is surreal to the extreme, but it has a very poignant sort of metaphorical message on the state of media in America. Naked lunch is fucking wild. <laughs> I am excited to see <laughs> your reaction to the most symbolically incomprehensible one of the mix. Awesome. Well, I'm interested. This is good. I'm, I'm also interested. I'm also interested for demolition. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan, for... Making me watch more Gyllenhaal. <laughs> You're putting more Gyllenhaal in his mouth. 
Uh, Thanks, Nathan, for making me watch more bullshit drama. <laughs> <laughs> I should make you watch the Donnie Darko sequel. Uh, <laughs> have you seen S. Darko? I have not, no. So you'd have to watch it first. <laughs> Fucker. Oh, wow. All right. Okay, let's uh, let's have a look at the the list here, and I can uh, take a guess at what you guys might have watched. Um, Daniel, I am of the firm belief that there's one of two options that you've watched here. I may as well just guess. I I think that Chinatown is the most readily available to you, but I'm hoping that you watched Road to Perdition. Ooh, interesting prediction because it became a point of contention because <laughs> Amanda and I had to consider earlier that maybe I had forgotten a box to pack or a, or a box that I had packed had been improperly unpacked because I knew for certain that I owned Chinatown mm-hmm. and I could not find it anywhere for the life <laughs> of me. So you and watched. I do, I do also own two Jakes, which is Jack Nicholson. And I thought maybe I had misconstrued that one for Chinatown, but no, I think I'm seriously missing a DVD. Regardless, I did watch Chinatown. Ah, ah interesting. Tell us about Chinatown. It was interesting because I like Jack Nicholson. I like Faye Dunaway. I like Roman Polanski. Did not like Chinatown. Really. <laughs> Yeah, there was something about Chinatown that made me wish it was more of a lighthearted, fast-paced, sort of witty adventure movie because Jack Nicholson as the like detective character in Chinatown is fucking fantastic. Like I love watching him smirk and talk and try to talk down that he's not an arrogant prick who left the police department because he couldn't make enough money and now he makes a lot of money and wears like fancy fedoras and five-piece suits, and everyone hates him that's in the biz. That's all hilarious. And watching him get beat up over and over and over again because he investigates too hard is also hilarious. What wasn't hilarious was thinking I had just come to the end of a three-hour movie, pressing pause, and realizing that I had an hour and 20 minutes left. (laughs) Because it was brutal. The pace of Chinatown is brutal. Like, you get what's happening relatively early. There's some sort of conspiracy involved involving water and power in the small town. Uh, Some, like, elite group wants to create a dam that diverts water, that tries to implant that water into an aquifer system in the desert so that they can then annex a piece of the desert into the city of L.A. and therefore uh, delusionally misdirect you from understanding that the main tycoon or mogul in this industry is also fucking his daughter like there's a lot of convoluted shit going on in this movie that is wildly unnecessary towards the agenda of the actual plot and that's not usually a bad thing in this case it is a bad thing time and time again this movie was way way too long for what i wanted it to be and was incredibly complicated and confusing for what it ended up being in the end, which was just sort of a tragic story about how elite corruption is unavoidable and how Chinatown as a bevy of corruption is a metaphor for how you can never, ever, ever get rid of that aspect of your society, no matter how hard you try. 
all that was great. That's where the Roman Polanski part came in, which is that, yes, here is a bona fide director that knows what he's doing. He knows how to put complicated themes into simplistic portrayals. But in the end, I don't think I've ever come across a movie that the pacing so threw me off from what I was actually watching. Like, I must have checked how much was left of this movie eight times, only to realize that what I thought had been an hour or half an hour was only five minutes long. So I'm a little bit (laughs) confused because it's really good in terms of writing, acting, and directing, but terrible in terms of pacing and deciding what's important to convey. So I'm a little... (laughs) A little unsure of where I fall on Chinatown. <laughs> so you didn't enjoy the editing is what you're saying. No, there was a I, I clocked it. There's a 20 minute scene in the first half of this movie where you're watching Jack Nicholson watch somebody else. And even though it's done beautifully, whew, it's tough. That's interesting. I got sucked into this movie. Yeah, I would argue that it's just a general lack of interest in the content that produces what the experience you're talking about. Um, that being said, I think you understand or appreciate the quality of the film. And yeah, the reason- that's, yeah, that's definitely apparent. Yeah, you can you can see Roman Polanski, Jack Nicholson. I mean, there's no there's no arguing that it's bad. Like the reason why I burdened this honestly is because of what happened to me, which I don't I don't think happened to you after hearing your feedback, but I think it also happened to the intern, and that's fine, that's fair, but. Uh, yeah, the there's certain movies, and it may just be a content thing, like I said, but there's certain movies that kind of just have this hypnotic quality to them, and I find myself kind of being subdued by them and settling in, and the exact opposite happens, where I don't watch the clock at all, and I just get absorbed by the rich detail of, of what's happening. I can tell that... Nicholson's performance of this gumshoe, this classic detective's gumshoe in that period, um, is 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 the strength of this movie. But at the same time, just the the colors and the directional style of it just kind of slow me down, and I kind of hit the same pace that the movie is moving at. And I just I'm okay with watching half of it one night and falling asleep, and then watching the next half another night and that's kind of how i watched this movie i didn't watch it all in one <laughs> sitting but i was okay with it it was something about it that calmed me or subdued me and i like in apocalypse now the same way where something about the pace of that movie just kind of like shuts my brain off and and i'm okay with watching it in multiple sittings i don't know but um i think overall though this movie is kind of an archetype for the you know detective gumshoe who's figuring out a mystery and uh, different things reveal themselves as you go through the movie and you don't really predict what the end's going to be. And this is kind of the classic tale for that that all future detective stories um, probably keep in mind when they're developing themselves. Yes, because one of the the first things I said, which Amanda picked up on as well, was one of the first, within the first five minutes, I was like, Nathan burden me a noir movie? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> no, that's perfect. Yeah, it is a a classic noir movie. It makes me think of that video game, LA Noir. Oh. Yeah, cuz you cuz usually you're not that into noir movies, which is why it struck me as odd. I don't know that I've experienced very many of them or given them very much of a chance. I think the first time I tried to watch Chinatown, I didn't get into it and I dismissed it and then later on 
I ended up coming across it and it just sucked me in and boom. And then, you know, watched it over a couple of sittings and said, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, I am going to burden this. It's nice and long. Motherfucker. Take this. (laughs) (laughs) Shining miniseries. Here you go. Fucker. Yeah. (laughs) That shining miniseries, which you've watched half of, is never going to get done. No, it will. Just like Dallas Buyers Club. No, it will. Dallas Buyers Club. Hey. Your guys' little unicorn films. It's going to be your D. Oh, my God. It's my initials. DBC. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Oh, the Shining miniseries. That's my initials. T-S-M-S. No, no, no. Oh, it's just. Oh, you're right. It's not. It's just four and a half fucking hours. That's what it is. It's just unbearable example of how Stephen King should never be allowed to do anything other than write. Daniel's like Nathan. You've given me so many three-hour movies. I'm going to burden you with an even longer one. I don't think that's true. I don't think Stephen King should be pigeonholed into just that writing. I think he should also be allowed to act. And grow grass oh, yeah. on his face. <laughs> Does that is that a clue that I watched Creep Show? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a horror episode, so you got to watch the horror movie, right? Right. The real horror movie, not the four and a half hour miniseries version. <laughs> um, yeah, Creep Show. That's what I watched, and uh, solid. Why did you want me to watch this? Because it's classic horror. Leading into the all horror episode, it seemed like Kismet. Am I wrong? That's no. That's correct. That's correct. That's and a running theme. Been a running theme throughout the whole episode. Well, it made me, yeah. And it made me look back at anthology movies to begin with. Because I started asking myself, when did horror anthologies begin? And when did anthology movies begin? Didn't they begin with Creepshow? I believe that um, there was earlier. Oh, Installments. I think there was a 1940s horror anthology. I don't know what it was called, but I was looking on the internet haphazardly trying to find that answer out. And I do not think that Creepshow is the first, but I do think that Creepshow is widely acknowledged as one of the best. It's the yeah, first it, best it one. It is in the upper. Yeah, it is considered one of the better anthology movies, yeah. I would argue that one of the reasons that makes it one of the best is that it keeps it simple. It goes with four stories and it dives into those four stories and tries to make them as cool as possible. It relates it to a theme with the comic book and the paneled, uh, you know, experience that you get from um, reading a comic book. It has a narrative beginning and end with the with the kid and his dad. <laughs> <laughs> I had to actually put the subtitles on to find out what the fucking kid was saying, because the, <laughs> the kid. The dad's just lighting him up for having a horror comic book. And he's the kid's just like, well, at least I don't have fucking porn (laughs) (laughs) in my sock drawer or whatever. And the dad's like, gives him a little slap, a little one-two, a little 80s justice. (laughs) (laughs) And says, you're snooping around in my shit. And he says, no, you told me to go get your cufflinks. And that's when I found it. <laughs> that's the part I had to, I had to subtitle to find out that was what he was saying. But. So I, I always remember two from Creepshow, which is, um, I, 
is this correct? Is it is there one where there's like a love contract between a guy and a woman about a thing that he witnessed that he's never supposed to talk about? Is that creep show one? Mm, no, might be creep show two. Fuck. All right, give well, me the four short stories in creep show. Well, the first one is about um uh Father's Day. And it's about a uh, aunt of theirs that murders her husband. And they all get together and she feels guilty over murdering her husband. So every anniversary she comes and visits his grave. And in this segment, um, he crawls out of his grave and murders her. (laughs) And the other family members are there um, nearby in the in the house and Ed Harris goes outside and he ends up getting killed and he wanders to the house, uh, zombified looking for his birthday cake as you do. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> and that's, that's actually the best part of this segment. This is one of the, I think this is the, uh, one, one of the weaker ones, but he, he's like zomb, like kind of, you know, zombieing towards the house. Like my cake. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And a great scene, though, he happens upon a, a woman in the kitchen. Um, I think it's the sister of the woman that killed him, and he just snaps her fucking neck straight up. <laughs> Classic <laughs> horror style. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of... It feels a little bit weak, the first segment. Then the second segment goes into Stephen King happening across the meteor that oh, yeah. he yeah. touches... And pours water on, and it uh, starts to grow grass or green vegetation all over his face and body, and everywhere in the vicinity. And um, I don't, I don't want to say that Stephen King's a bad actor, but um, in this specific segment, doing this specific thing, I enjoyed his effort. And yeah, he's super over the top. He's playing like extreme southern, like. (laughs) Yeah, Hicks. simpleton, wide-eyed. Uh, oh, this could be. This could mean riches. Yeah, uh. and if you're and if you're talking about the movie world, he probably is a better actor than he is producer or director. Yeah, that I would absolutely agree with. Kind of interesting though. Stephen King's an interesting fellow. I've read um, a little bit of Stephen King on writing and and read, you know, about his triskaidekaphobia. Yeah, just a little bit about his uh, his quirkiness and how he, you know, wrote stories and stabbed them on a railroad spike and very committed and as a little child. He fears Friday the 13th? Huh? He fears Friday the 13th? He fears the number 13. Okay, there we go. But as, as a small child, he, like, you know, bicycled into town and watched horror movies by himself all the time and kind of twisted his own psyche. And he's got a strange... Um, you know, strong lock jaw and these like sharp blue eyes. And he's, he's just a very interesting looking human. Yeah. He also has a violent and consistent hatred and fear of 1950s greasers, <laughs> like guys in leather with their hair brushed backwards with, with gel. They are to him, the epitome of bullying. So throughout all Stephen King's books and movies, Always look for a guy that talks like a 1950s greaser that is an absolute douchebag. <laughs> That's his bread and butter. 
there's a lot of quirky things about him that are very interesting. And to see him pop up in this is, it's odd that he would agree to this and interesting that he did it. And that's, you know, I wasn't offended by this, this uh, sketch at all. I'd say it's one of the stronger ones. Yeah, um, I think people react very much the same way you do. Is that yeah. they're like, ah, Stephen King, what are you doing? That said, not my least favorite one. Yeah, no, it had good fluency. It was, it was all right. And then, um, actually, I think there's five. Is it, it's not four. There's five. I think. Is the five like a true fifth, or is it the one that wraps the other four together? No, I think there's there's a true five actually, because there's Father's Day, and then there's the Stephen King one, and then they go into the uh, what I consider to be the best one is the uh, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson. <laughs> yes. Segment. Yeah, it is the best one. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Where he finds out that his uh, woman's cheating on him with Ted Danson and he buries them both in the sand up to their heads and does some, you know, interesting uh, CCTV work back in yep. the 80s with long spools of cord. <laughs> yeah. I can hold my breath for a real long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he basically drowns them and and what a punishing way. Like that's that's actually, you know, taking the whole segment aside, like that's a great way to get vengeance, honestly. Right? Brutal, right? Fucking, Real slow. Fucking awesome and Leslie Nielsen the one doing it and young Ted Danson buried into his up to his head getting drowned. And then the, you know, zombified corpses come crawling out of the ocean and make him pay. Yep. And that's fun and uh, enjoyable i really like that segment and then they went into the crate and uh, hal holbrook is your uh well he's your uh main bread earner in this movie i guess he's the uh first billing on the credits and that brings up something because in that era in the early 80s hal holbrook is actually considered to be a bigger star than leslie nielsen or ted danson which is weird because Everybody that because of the next two decades that yeah. you've been watching them. Well, yeah. I mean, hey, people of our generation are like Hal Holbrook. You mean you mean one of the head honcho executives from the firm with Tom Cruise, right? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's how I know him. Um, but yeah, it's called the Crate, and it's you know about professors in college and uh, this spineless fellow and his bitchy wife constantly ragging on him. And uh, he finds out that there's this crate at the college that has a beast inside of it that's killed the janitor and one of the other college employees. And he's constantly fascinated. He's fantasizing about murdering his wife. So his, <laughs> his answer is to uh, cover up the deaths of the other two people and lure his wife to the college to get eaten by this beast and then... <laughs> take take the beast in the crate and chain it up and throw it in the water. Oh my god! Um, I enjoyed the crate. I'd say it's the second favorite, but it's <laughs> it's odd. And uh, oh, it's it's great when the main plot is like this crazy horror thing, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But how do I kill my wife? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then it follows up with a final one about cockroaches. Just a solo guy, quirky, eccentric guy in some sort of lockdown apartment with a lot of fail-safes. He seems like he's got quite the psychosis going on. And you kind of struggle between, you know, the it's kind of the inception thing with the is it reality or is it not? Is he is he psychotic or, or what? Is he 
in like crazy and envisioning all these cockroaches everywhere or are they real and it kind of leaves you with the spinning top you don't really know but jesus christ they do a great job with the um real body that looks very i don't, I don't know they, they did like a prosthetic body with a whole bunch of cockroaches inside of it mm, yeah yeah like i gotta give props to the special effects on the cockroaches breaking through his skin and his mouth and like fucking filling up that whole room full of cockroaches is very disgusting yeah i feel the creep show is famous because it touches on several different types of horror and executes them in a fun and and silly way and i i i thoroughly enjoyed creep show especially being that this is halloween weekend it was a a fun time to experience creep show for the first time yeah, Creepshow is fun, and it's indicative of something that is rare, which is you get people that actually are super into horror collaborating together, being unfettered by outside judgment from financiers and being able to make something that they just relatively wanted to make. Because Creepshow 2 and Creepshow 3 fall in line as being incredibly depressing, as in that George Romero, who was on Creepshow 1, uh, he left because he made one movie in the system, like as a as a properly financed and budgeted part of the system. He made one movie. I think it was Monkey Shines or Monkey Paw. And it was so fucking awful to him in terms of creativity and being able to uphold your original vision that he never again made a budgeted mainstream movie ever. It was all independently self-funded movies from then on. And so <clears throat> he doesn't return for Creepshow 2. I think Stephen King is like talked to on some of his plot points for Creepshow 2. So it's a severe drop off from the first one. And I think Creepshow 3 is uh, probably unwatchable. So it's rare you get these allegories or these anthologies to begin with. And then it's even rarer that they're watchable. So Creepshow does definitely stand out as one of those. Well, I would say that it, it really made me think about horror anthologies in general. Not that I've watched a lot of them, but I have kind of gleaned from the intern and his delegated uh, duties and responsibilities that the ABCs of death to... Oh, God, atrocious. Well, it made me think that that it's kind of a comment on how the film industry and our society in general works. You You take something that did very well and executed, you know, five different stories in an anthology and had success. Oh, well, what do we do with that? Oh, well, let's take it and expand on it. Let's make it bigger and better and blah. And then you get all these other things like, you know, future anthologies that have way more stories and uh, they spend less time making each story fun and, and, and full. And that's Creepshow's strength is that they, you know, took five simple concepts and, and went to town on each of them and encapsulated encapsulated them with a narrative and, and did it and executed, right? Like a, ABCs of Death 2, you're talking about 26. 20. Yeah. How do you do that? Some of them are a minute and a half. Some of them are four minutes. Right? Like, fuck. Oh, God. And, and only two of them are watchable. Forgettable. Yeah. How how do you take the the idea of an anthology series and turn it into basically what is just an audition process for future horror film directors? You know, like it's it just seems like it becomes mutated and it and it goes way too far. But I see this one as the best critic blurb 
to encapsulate what Creep Show is all about. And it's from uh, Dustin Putman from thefilmfile.com. He says, All of the pieces of Creep Show come together in a smorgasbord of ghastly images, welcome humor, and solid old fashioned storytelling. Yeah, that sounds absolutely. Good. I'll, 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 I'll take that. Intern, would you like to update us? I would. I don't have. I don't have your bevy of intern <laughs> intros. <laughs> Let's uh, choose one at random. I came from far away to give something to you today. <laughs> Goes back into the past into the archives where the other lineups are. Watch the movie. That was just at random. This is short-lived. Yeah. It was short-lived. In, yeah. The archive back into the past where all the lineups are. <laughs> uh, I did a bit of time traveling and because this is the Halloween episode, I decided to watch last year's Halloween episode. And uh, so we're jumping ahead in the lineup to episode 42, yeah. the Halloween edition. What would we normally have done? Uh, 33, I think. Okay, so we're jumping ahead to 42 for the Halloween edition. And yeah. Then, and then jumping back. Next episode, we'll get back to the regular Because he lineup. felt that this episode should stay in line with Halloween and horror. And I tend to agree with him, actually. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate your thoughtfulness. That's fantastic. Your appreciation is appreciated. <laughs> um, horrifically. And I, and I appreciate you. That's fucking And great. I appreciate everybody. Okay. <laughs> um, so this, well, was a year ago, which means uh, less time than, than the other episodes that we're currently on. And uh, do you guys remember uh, anything, what was on the all-horror lineup? I remember no. that the witch was the fulcrum because I was excited to show Ooh. Daniel. Yeah, I remember that too, actually. Yeah, Yeah. so we started out with uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse mm. uh, and then Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, hashtag uh, Tomahawk. Uh, <laughs> God damn us. God damn ruin, us. To ruin everything. Uh, then the Vvitch. Followed by um, the modern day creep show, Tales of Halloween. Yeah, anthology. Yeah, I remember we we went through a subgenre and tried to do uh, every major subgenre. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. There was a bunch left out because there's too many subgenres. It was educational, but not a whole lot because of this. Well, there was no home invasion. Right. Um, right. Anyway, after uh, Tales of Halloween, we did uh, Lumberjack Man. The slasher. The slasher with uh, f- flapjacks. <laughs> I, have, I have yet to see Lumberjack Man. Pancakes and human blood for syrup. Oh, that sounds delicious. Um, let's, let's jump to the beginning. Uh, so on this episode, there was... Uh, Daniel, you were, you were on this episode, and I, I want to say right away that you did a, a very fine job as being the horror expert. Uh, throughout oh, this episode uh nathan was on uh chelsea was also on 
and uh, and I was on. So there was uh, four four people in the house for this. And uh, Chelsea was worried about Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, and the three of us were excited, and we should have been worried. Hmm. It. Oh, did, uh, you, did you see it eventually? I well, I just watched all of these this week, so. Um, it was uh, pretty much the problem with regular comedies is that every single funny part was in the trailer, and. Uh, so it was like Zach, the the dick ripping off scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember Keckner sitting in a chair being tied up? I thought that was funny. The the dick ripping off scene. The cats uh, on the shoulder. Mm. The turnaround. Mm. Yeah. And no, Daniel that's... got excited. He's like, oh, you know, normally I hate the puppets, and yeah. but this was funny. Yeah, I'm willing to forgive this for its fake animal mm-hmm. stuffed animal f- flip around. Yeah, did did you hate it in turn? Because I, I watched this movie eventually, and I wasn't as high on it as I was during this episode, but I didn't hate it. I gave it a minus one. Okay. Um, but my thoughts are that it it was not good enough to warrant points to be excited. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so next, Bone Tomahawk, we all saw this. I think the feedback was positive from everyone. Yeah, solid. Because this is, I think... My second favorite horror movie that I've seen on Trailer Park. Probably the surprise of the episode in terms of, like, I think um, the witch was a little bit too um, involved in itself to hit everybody, but I think Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, this is a movie that I suggest to anyone that yeah. that's like, I want to watch a horror movie. Yeah. This I is think, the one I suggest to everyone. Yeah, I think you hesitate or, with the witch. Or a western. It's a great western too. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's a good point. Yeah, Bone Tom Hawk I think is a solid solid recommendation to yeah, anybody. Yeah, so I got this um because I tried to match up with the genres and I got it as a cannibal western drama horror mm-hmm. and Tomahawk. Hashtag, uh, hashtag Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Yeah, we went yeah. we went through that quite a bit uh, if you go to listen to the Episode forty two. You'll you'll get some Tomacock. <laughs> Every woman wants a V. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh everyone was excited. Well, to be fair, the trailer and well, the movie obviously, but the trailer has the you know the Where big, he's shoving it in his mouth. Uh, the big yeah. huge horn. Yeah. Being pushed. The, into, the tomahawk's getting uh put entered into yeah. the, there's a part in Bone Tomahawk where one of the cannibals cheats up a flask and then shoves the flask inside of Kurt Russell's body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most surprising things was the person getting chopped in half. Oh. oh. And when I was watching it, I was like, that's that's disturbing, but believable? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't... My brain was like, having a hard time being like, no, that... that visually looks what could be accurate i think that's one of the most interesting things about that halloween episode is that for both bone tomahawk and the witch regardless of how you felt about the movies i think you i everyone like perked up like okay who's the writer and who's the director and mm-hmm. what are they gonna do next because that shit's cray yeah totally cray. Yeah. it's cray cray i gave it a plus two mostly because it is the one that i recommend to to people if you want to watch horror and like a new horror movie 
bone tomahawk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit Go different. It. it has all the like violent tropes that you need for a horror movie. And the true horror to me for the first, I don't know, 90 minutes of Bone Tomahawk is just watching Patrick Wilson. <laughs> just watching his leg and waiting for the moment that it is destroyed. Yeah, it's really fun to see Wilson and Kurt Russell in that movie. I have, and I, I always, uh, I like to think he lined up, you know, Hateful Eight and Bone Tomahawk. And just kept he just kept, just kept letting the facial the hair mustache get yeah. bigger and bigger. Yeah, just fuck it. I'll just keep growing it out. Like, yeah, he didn't need to grow it longer, but he fucking did. Yeah, and, yeah. And who's the uh, who's the like the older bald guy that's like his buddy in that movie? There is like a hardcore online campaign for that guy to get Academy Richard Award Jenkins. Yeah, Richard winning re- re- reflection for his role in Tomahawk. Richard Jenkins. He's the father yes. of. He's the father in Six Feet Under. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. People, also the the husband yeah. in Witches of Eastwick. Burdenless shout out. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Horse. Uh, horse. Horse. Yeah. Uh, people fucking love him online. They love him. Yeah. No, Jenkins is awesome. If you haven't uh, if you haven't checked out, and this is, goes out to everybody, if you haven't checked out the first two seasons of Six Feet Under, it's fucking money. Third, fourth, and fifth. You could leave it. <laughs> yeah, hit seasons of Six Feet Under, then watch season four of Dexter, and then watch Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> awesome. And then you'll die happy right there. Uh, right. So, um, Just so we're aware, the points here is that Chelsea has two, and the rest of us have one. So far. Mm. So far. Uh, next up, we had The Witch... Um, we all watched. I think Daniel, you were not as excited about this after watching it. Here, I as, think uh, Nathan and myself. I, I think Daniel appreciated what it was trying to do, but didn't necessarily uh, celebrate it the way that you and I did. Yeah, I think in the end, you can. Yeah, I, I respect this movie. I think if that's the point we're looking for here. Yeah, this uh, I enjoyed so much, and it's really interesting to me because i watched it and then and i watched it with nathan first we went to go watch it and then when we were driving back he's like what do you think about it but my brain was still processing and i didn't want to like i was like hey well i don't want to talk yet because i'm confused and i just want to like think about the movie i'm well i'm not i'm not confused but i just want to like digest what happened um and then i watched it again a couple days later um and then and then I went and bought it, and I've seen this movie, which is crazy because it's a horror movie. Uh, I've seen it like four times already yeah. since it's came out. Uh, I watched it. I watched it again with Chelsea, and my feedback would be, and and this goes into this plays into the whole process, because for the the multitude of fans of Trailer Park Podcast are also aware of Sad Sack Studios and 100 Lunatics and that Nathan's been kind of on a journey of education with horror. And I think that he learned something about himself watching The Witch. And that's that... Because uh, Daniel's had a lot of time watching a lot of horror movies and, and defining what he um, appreciates about the horror genre. And when you finally break down the wall and decide... You know what? I'm gonna stop, you know, dismissing horror, and I'm gonna start appreciating it. Um, you have to decide what 
about that genre that you specifically appreciate. And I find that the, the subtlety in The Witch, the moments where the psychological horror um, trippiness, you know, with, with the images of The Witch, where they just they just flash it in a subtle way and they don't give away too much and they just kind of like leave a trail of breadcrumbs for you um, is something that really... Uh, uh, something that really impressed me and I appreciated like, Oh fuck. You know, uh, during this episode, um, the antichrist came up (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and I thought I would like go home and just like barf after hearing you guys talk about it. Like I just, you know, go home and throw up and, and try to fall asleep. Um, and there's a scene in here and it's, you're talking about the scissors. Yeah. The scissors, yeah. But there's or a the, scene in the witch with with a crow or a raven, yeah, and a nipple, yeah. And uh, when I watched it in the theater the second time, my response was to look at everyone else in the theater <laughs> when that happened, just to catch their response. And oh, it's a it's a good one. Anyway, uh, we were all excited and. I gave this the highest rating. It's been a while since there's been a plus three oh, shit. from me. Um, we all got points. Yeah, that's true. And even though I'm not as high on the witch as I think you guys are, if it, if the witch is your way into quality horror, by all means, I have nothing bad to say about the witch at all. Well, I think what it is is it's it's like it spends the first you know, 30 to 40 minutes setting the stage, creating an environment, creating isolation, and, you know, trying to subdue you into its its uh, stylistic uh, uh, direction of this pilgrim family living in the middle of fucking nowhere just outside of the woods. And then it starts to introduce the idea of the witch and evil. It's very religious, and it just starts to show you just like little flashes of who the witch is. And a lot of us, you know, Halloween and everything, witches on broomsticks, blah, blah, blah. It it doesn't really sink in, you know? Like, I don't know how you guys feel, well, but when you think about witches, you think, I, I, I never really let it sink in how evil a witch could be. Yeah, like, this, here it's not broomsticks and flying around. Here it's like, what do you mean you've been talking to the goat for three months? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. This, this movie showed, like, kind of brought back for me what evil is when discussing what a witch is you know i think um on this what i appreciate the most about it is that it's a psychological horror which i think is what i enjoy watching the most from the horror genre is psychological horror i think what i take away from watching the witch is that i have a lot to learn about what i appreciate about horror I, I walk away here stumbling. Like you, you hear me right now in this podcast, trying to articulate what it is about the witch that affected me. And it's it's those scenes where they just like touched you with that awful evil, and they did it in such a subtle way that it impressed me. But I am at. I think what I'm saying is that I'm a, I'm in no position to say for sure what I appreciate about horror at this point. All I know is that the which kind of pointed me in a direction or gave me a taste of what um, I should be looking for. Yeah, acceptable. Cool. 
Uh, now, now, uh, now we had uh, the Creep Show ABCs of Death entry, Tales of Halloween, and I was very, very sour on this. Oh, so um, was I. So was I. Nathan and Chelsea were excited. Daniel, you and I were worried, and yeah. this is not as bad as I made it out to be in my head at all. Really? It is definitely not as bad, although my thoughts when I turned it on, which I just I watched this one the most recently, like two days ago, um, was I was preparing myself for an hour and 37 minutes of the worst shit that I'm about to watch, expecting ABCs of Death 2 again. But ABCs of um, Death 2 had one of the best segments in it. It one segment was was phenomenal. Yes, that's um, what I mean. Which letter? To me, Tales which? of Halloween was. I don't, I don't remember how I reacted on the actual show to Tales of Halloween, but my reaction to actually seeing Tales of Halloween was fuck all of this. I didn't. I think the reason why I didn't think it was so bad is because I was expecting it to be a lot worse. Um, saying that, it's not that good. <laughs> No, it's awful. So, the reason I was so incredibly sour on it was because my one of my favorite horror films, especially contemporary horror films of all time, is The Woman, mm-hmm. directed by Lucky McGee. Lucky McGee directs one of the segments in Tales from Halloween, yeah, and it dong. is the worst segment. Right? It is the worst segment. That's brutal. I agree. Tough pill to swallow. That's an so that, that's an Andrew happened. that's an Andrew Kevin Walker moment right there. It's uh, Andrew Kevin Walker being the writer of Seven, who went on to write Eight Millimeter and disappeared shortly after. Oh, yeah, God, that's a that's tough. Exactly what's happening here. It's tough, but I gave it a, a low minus one, but I couldn't give it a zero because of my expectations. Mm. And my oh, expectations were one. were that I thought I was gonna just like go to the store and just break DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holidays was a better horror anthology. Um, I haven't seen that. That sounds bad, though. So, <laughs> yeah. Daniel, we got points. There's a segment where Jesus and the Easter Bunny are like hybridized together into this fucked up bunny Jesus monster that has to induct a new child to take its place in order to convert the holiday in further into the future and involves this tiny girl being inducted in this Jesus bunny fucking hybrid thing. At least that's in the holidays. Tales from Halloween has nothing. No, no. Tales from Halloween has the little baby devil that stabs someone in the dick. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the minus one that it you got. Listen to you guys squabble over this. <laughs> No, um, no. At least it has the you know alien baby inside of the womb trying to fight its way through with the scalpel. I mean, that's it's a Jesus bunny, but there is a baby <laughs> stabbing a dick, right? <laughs> Moving on, uh, Daniel. We both got points, which puts us in the lead. Oh, three to three. <laughs> uh, Nathan and Chelsea have two, which brings us to uh, flapjacks. Uh, this is bending just, a woman in half. This is justice. And throwing her in a tree. This is justice, Daniel. Um, so Nathan was worried. Daniel, you were excited. Chelsea was worried. <laughs> and Nathan said something, lumberjack man, 
Nathan oh, right. said something in this about the trailer and how all the good parts are going to be in the trailer. And I was excited about it. And then after him saying that, I said, I was worried. Yep, you talked me into it. It's exactly what I said. Nathan, you talked me into it. I'm totally worried. Did the he best properly parts, talk you into it? The best parts are going to be in the trailer. Fuck this movie. It It is funny. Uh, it's So it is, it's like Friday the 13th and a pretty mocking kind of way they go to like bible camp there's the second coming Mm. witness the second coming and he opens up his uh his robe to show off his penis there's the the right amount of uh, topless girls and uh the right amount of really weird kills that just makes this entertaining bottomless what the bottomless girls quality i'm in my 30s now there's (laughs) topless is the 20s game bottomless is the 30s game there's no bottomless they're wearing underwear they're wearing underwear um a girl so this was from the trailer but a girl gets a spout like a a syrup spout jabbed into her forehead yeah and then blood comes out on top of these huge pancakes that this guy is making it's like fucking ridiculous Solid. It's well, so is funny. he canadian no no there's no, no there's no there's uh, no back bacon there is no reason for for me to enjoy this movie but i did <laughs> um and i should have gone with my instinct i give this a minus two you need to be in the mood and expect that this is going to be ridiculous because it is um but it's ridiculous in in an entertaining way so i gave it a minus two daniel you got a point and you nice. win the horror episode yes uh four to three to two to two justice yes you shouldn't trust me on anything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it is it's justice it it works i like it so it's funny because I was thinking that you were going to have, because some of the picks leading up to this, like the ones that you say that you enjoy have uh, have been off on the horror genre, at least, well, I guess for the first little bit. It gives validity to your assessment ability, I think. Yeah, we'll see how this episode turns out next year. I think yeah. I said excited for every single one. <laughs> yeah, but you chose the lineup this time. Uh, fair enough, yeah. So it changes things a little bit, but... Hey, I mean, last year we had Bone Tomahawk and The Witch in the same lineup, and I don't know that that kind of quality exists this year. I may be wrong. No. We we may be. Well, I mean, the eyes of my mother might be. Uh, the Witch real... did come out this year. Yeah, I so. I I really I took liberty and I jumped into uh, February to bring The Witch in as the fulcrum last year because I felt like. The fulcrum needed to be something magnificent, and I think Daniel felt the same way. Did the way. same thing this this year, yeah. Because the eyes of my mother also has that same quality of, uh, yeah, this this could be something really exceptional. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, the uh, rest of the lineup though is kind of bizarro this year. <laughs> no, but even then, um, you're kind of taking it in a different direction with the Greasy Strangler and the Love Witch, which is. Some more uh, B grade horror. I I honestly think that Greasy Greasy Strangler's obviously kind of a uh, you know depends on who you are kind of thing, and Love Witch I think is going to hit everybody, and Eyes of My Mother hopefully will pay off 
and uh, Ouija might Ouija might be a crash and burn, but no, it, it has favorable reviews currently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chelsea's friend liked it. All right. Yeah. Bad taste, friend. Well, they were they were over the other night, and I asked them if they had seen several different movies, and they hadn't seen any of them, and they've been spending all their time watching Luke Cage. So let's just. <laughs> no, I'll have to see it for myself because I won't be able to trust anybody else's opinion. Because I'll be like, yeah, I don't care what you're into. I need this to be something very specific. <laughs> I think I think Fear Inc. is going to surprise. I think uh, Daniel and I are going to be getting points on that final movie. Go fuck yourself. So I do want to uh, let everyone know that there was a steep decline here. Um, so Daniel, you you went up from fifty eight to fifty nine percent, and Chelsea and I joined you by going down quite a bit to fifty nine percent. So Nathan's at sixty two, and Amanda's at sixty seven. Well, Amanda, so, Amanda, Daniel, you're no longer in last place. Amanda's 67% with an asterisk because of how little, um, you know, the the amount. She's watched more than Chelsea and I. Well, the amount of movies involved plays a factor. Yeah, and then Nathan's score is like, you know, also an asterisk because he has extreme violent influence over you. Show. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that far ahead of you. <laughs> that's true only three percent separates us and amanda's gonna come crashing back down to earth hopefully at some point i hope especially with these these current episodes where she's incredibly jaded <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah where she's like i hate this i'm so tired of this this is god awful and stupid i'm excited <laughs> No, I'm not taking that shit anymore. I want if she point. sounds disgusted, it's a worry. Fishing for points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's playing the metagame. No. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it, gentlemen. I feel like a successful Halloween has been finished again. Congratulations. <laughs> and if you want to reach us. Yeah. Yeah, please go to uh, trailerparkpodcast.com, sadsackstudios.com. You can uh, tweet us at tparkpodcast. Uh, you can say hello to Daniel at 100 Lunatics. You can say hello to the intern, however the fuck you feel like. Uh, just send me pictures of middle fingers. <laughs> yeah, scream it out. Yeah, Especially if your middle finger is next to a dick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can hand out his address if you want to do your own home invasion prank. Um, I like lots of photos of uh, people 68ing. Yeah, here. Why just email me, trailerpartpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what your plan is. I'll supply you with what you need. Yeah, keep an eye out for our fan film in which the intern and I will be playing uh, the greasy strangler and his son. <laughs> I've got, <laughs> um, I got a, no, I got a bunch of grease. We talked about this before. Uh, yeah, we got a, we got a bin. Yeah, you be the dad, intern. I'll be the son. Yeah, be like dad, you can steal her pussy, but you can't steal her heart. I've got a lot of rope. Well, for what? Strangling. Oh, okay. I thought maybe he was talking about suicide again. Autoerotic asphyxiation. (laughs) I can't even say it. Greasy asphyxiation. Yeah, Yeah, greasy. Good stuff. And that will do it. Number 68, the Halloween horror episode for 2016. All of you are very, very welcome.